BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello. This is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing nights 5 through 10 of the New Japan Cup, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving us a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuitbucks.com slash donate and click the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, Custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? I am trying to make it all work, man. <laughs> trying to make it all work. Um, you know what I went out and did this week? What you do this week? I kicked it back to... 2001 middle school style and i bought myself a planner wow (laughs) because i literally cannot keep up with everything that's going on between work extracurriculars you know uh, advancements in my career so study time 
you know, self-education plus wrestling plus actually doing wrestling plus New Japan and having a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It just keeps going on and on. It's impossible. So I'm literally having to, like, make some uh, tough decisions every day and, like, just jot it all down and then do it. Yeah, man. Dude, adulting sucks. (laughs) You know, oh, bro, you know what? Only old people say adulting. Do you know that that's one of those things that, like, we say, like, millennials, but, like, Gen Zers don't say? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm learning there's stuff that, like... And I know apparently, like, the the, the laugh emoji with the tears, that's, like, a no-go. You don't do oh, that. Yeah, that's... You're fucking lame if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they send, like, the, the skull and cross... Uh, yeah, scroll, skull and uh, cross, crossbones. Yeah, I'm dead from laughing. Yeah, kind dead. Of or, like, uh, you can send, like, the cry face... See, that's one I don't like. People send the cry face emoji to let everybody know, like, that they're so, they're so, they're laughing so hard that, like, they're over emotional about it, you know, but, or like they're shook or whatever. But, like, I, I don't give a fuck. I send the, <laughs> I send the, the cry laugh emojis. I send them, like, I send both versions back to back to back. Ba 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 ba. I just hit them like I'm fucking Kent. Like, ba 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 ba. I don't give a fuck. Oh, man. Well, yeah, know, yeah. Know. Adulting's like one of those things like only old people say now. Oh, we're, we're getting up there, bro. We're fucking yeah. I saw this thing today. It was like when you're 32 and you're trying to figure out how you've been alive for five <laughs> in five different decades. <laughs> and then I thought about it. I was like 80s, 90s, 2000s, 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 2000s. Holy crap! I've been alive in five different decades. What's going on? It's crazy, man. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, speaking uh, of your life and adulting, uh, we had an interesting question here from Kyle Martin. He says, honestly, I've been wondering this for a long while now. The first episode of yours I caught, Jeremy, you said something like, young boy, how you doing? And then Josh briefly brings up the opening minutes that he was getting sued. I think it's been like two years since then. So do you mind if I ask what happened now? Oh, man. Was that in the first episode that he caught or the first episode we ever did? That he caught. Oh, yeah. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, um, so here's what happened. Um, when I was young, I purchased a vehicle that I thought I could afford, and then life took a drastic turn, and I was not able to afford that vehicle. It got repossessed, and then, you know, collection people start hitting me up, but, like, bro, I to this day, like, I've got an okay credit score now because I make payments on stuff. But I've never used credit. I've never used credit in my entire life. Um and like i don't i don't have credit cards but i've got i've got a decent credit score but like um i i say that to say this i don't give a fuck about credit so like when they would threaten me and be like this will go on your record for blah 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 i'm like i don't i don't care i'm not paying you took my car i'm not paying for the car after you took the car like you took it we're square <laughs> you got it back man we we good we good we good you got it back and bro that was Years ago. And then, like, so I, I talked to a lawyer. They are like, yo, after seven years, you're scot-free. So I was like, oh, nice. And then um, it never showed up. On, here's the crazy thing. Like, collectors did call for a while, and I kept telling them, like, fuck off. And then eventually, like, they stopped. And then I did, like, some hard inquiries, like, uh, to, to do the job that I do now in, in like, securities and financial aspects. They do a, a deep dive into your, like, history they never found it it's not on my financial record at all so i thought i was square i was like yeah th- th- this thing went away and then one day 
I'm at work, and all of a sudden I find out, like, a lot of my fucking uh, <laughs> paycheck is getting confiscated. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I wages like, garnished. Yeah, my wages. And here's the thing. Like, I used to travel and do sales, and I've lived in, like, 15 or 20 different places. Plus, like, I kind of live off the radar anyway, so it's hard to, like, find me. So, like, basically, the collection agencies, like, sold my debt to, like, a law firm that specializes in, like, these types of cases. And then they tried to, and then they were looking for me. They finally, they finally found one of my last residences from, like, 2016 in, like, New Jersey. And they filed a suit against me in New Jersey. But I didn't live there, so I never got served. So I never knew about it. So I didn't show up. And then I found out that I lost a legal case where I was getting sued for the remainder of the vehicle. And then I had to pay that shit back. (laughs) (laughs) All of it. God, that's, it was bad, but it's gone now. Um, so I'm just trying not to get into much more medical debt. Mm. Well, I got, I, I got some medical debt from like, remember that time after mania in New York? Oh yeah. Well, you got really sick. Yeah. I got sick. I had to go to the hospital. Well, you know, hopefully uh, no concussions or, you know, no injuries from wrestling. Well, I got a match coming up at the March, the last Sunday of March. So, going to be somebody's ass. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, uh, Kyle, thanks for bringing that, that story back yeah, up. Yeah, thanks, thanks for uh, putting me in the good mood to do this show. I really, really appreciate it, Kyle. That's some uh, long-term story there for your yeah. listeners. I'm sure a lot of listeners like Kyle have been wondering what happened there. And so, you know, two, two years later, you get the conclusion of, of what happened when the young boy got sued. Basically, I did a job. That's what, that's what happened. <laughs> All right, well, let's start talking about uh, New Japan here. Uh, open up with a question here from Dom Hui 101. Thoughts on the New Japan Cup so far? So, first round's done, second round's done. We had the uh, first two quarterfinals today. What's been your overall thoughts on this year's tournament so far? Um, I think it's been a real mixed bag. I think a lot of the concerns we had going into this have been founded at this point. Um, I think that... I mean, it's not rocket science. Some of these things are very obvious. Like, they're running a a plethora of shows, and it's really hard to keep up with this many shows. Um, So, you know, it's fine if you're, like, we're we're basically some cherry-picking motherfuckers right now. (laughs) We're literally just watching the tournament matches, which is fine. But, like, there is context that is occurring in these undercards, and we're missing it. So I feel like... I don't even, this is like one of the least qualified shows I've ever felt like we were doing, where it's like we watched all the tournament matches. We know the stories, but like kind of not. Cause I don't know what Tai Chi's doing. And I don't right. know, what, you know, I don't know what Nagata's doing. Like it's weird. So, um, and the clap crowds and running like Corkin so many times and all these smaller venues, they're not like really hot. So it doesn't have that big fight feel for this tournament. Yeah, that's the one thing I really heard. It's like, you know, the match is like, it's, it's popping off. You know, they're, people are slapping each other. They're chopping each other. We, we get some, some strong lariats. But, you know, you just don't get that, that roar of the crowd or the, the girls kind of screaming. It just, you, don't, you don't feel that energy. And so it kind of, it's hard to really get into the matches sometimes. Yeah. You know, this white tide Belgian white beer that is literally a, 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 literally a ripoff of Blue Moon. It even has, like, the same logo of colors. Got it at Aldi. It's not, it's pretty close it's pretty good (laughs) it's It's pretty pretty good (laughs) (laughs) i I read on beer advocate that like it was like rated decent 
it was like mid. So I was like, oh, I'll try it. But yeah, it's pretty good. Um, w- uh, one other thing, um, just the actual quality of the matches has been super inconsistent. Like you have some really great matches and then you have some average matches, pretty good. And then you've got some bad matches and they're from the usual offenders. We'll get into it, but you know, your evils, your Yano's, those guys. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's been, no one feels hot to me. That's the one, except for maybe Shingo. Yeah. I think Shingo, Shingo's the only guy that feels hot. You no, know, coming off the Okada match, the Goto match, and then the Kenta match today, like he's been very consistent. All three matches, I would say, above four star, four stars or above. So I think he's feeling hot. Um, it's not just the quality of the matches because, like for instance, Will Osprey is having quality matches, and some other guys are too. But it's it, it's also just like the momentum. Like he's main eventing the matches, right, he's yeah. closing out the shows, he's, he's doing winning the closing promos, yeah. yeah. He just he feels like he's kind of on fire right now. Um, I didn't pick him to win this thing, although I, I, he was like a close second. I mean, I, I knocked him out in the first round. <laughs> yeah, Jay kind of feels hot too. I could see them doing him and Jay as the final. Yeah, they could. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, overall, I've I've enjoyed the tournament overall. Um, I think overall match quality has been pretty good. Like you mentioned, there are some you know some lows there. We'll talk about some of the ones that happened these past few nights with you know the, the normal victims like you mentioned, like Yano. Um, but overall, we've been getting a lot of matches that have been in that three and a half to three point seven five, and then some that are going to that four star range, four and a half range. Obviously, we'll talk about Osprey and Saber, a phenomenal matchup there. And so there's there's been a lot of you know very high. Stuff, some stuff in the middle, and some very low stuff. I will say this. Since we've been covering this show, in my opinion, this is the weakest New Japan Cup we've had so far. Mm. Even with some good matches, um, I, I don't think this holds. And granted, it makes sense why. You know, look at the schedule. Look at the venues. Look at look at some of the seedings. And it, it's, it's no surprise. Like... Um, it's not even. I, I think last year's tournament that was also what in front of there was no crowd, right? Yeah, the majority of the tournament was yeah empty arena. Yes, and I felt like that was a better tournament uh, than this one, even mm. if this one has peaked a little bit higher. Yeah, I mean, I'm not disappointed with this tournament, uh, but I do agree with you that it, it, you know that definitely we, we've reviewed better tournaments over the years, but. Overall, I mean, I mean I've been but satisfied. The, but for the New Japan Cup, this is my the only other New Japan Cup technically that I would say is worse than this was like the USA one on Strong. Right. Uh, since we've been doing this show, I think this every other New Japan Cup that we've covered has been, you know, way better than this. Yeah. So we're gonna go over what's happened since the last time we recorded. Of course, if you're in our New Japan Cup pick them. You can check your rankings out, sportofprowrestling.com slash kiss. Do you know how you're doing? Um, I didn't check my ranking today, but I, I'm doing pretty bad. You know, I had uh, Shingo knocked out in the, the first round uh, to Okada, so that hurt me a lot. Uh, but, you know, I, I have been doing good. The right side of the bracket, I, I did pretty good on. Uh, let's see, pull the rankings up here. That's sportofprowrestling.com slash kiss. Of course, Chris Samsa is uh, number one. Um, in the bracket there, so really, yeah. Hmm. Um, let's see here. I'm um I'm not doing so so bad. I uh, I I got the top left bracket wrong entirely, but I got all the other ones like virtually 
one hundred percent. So you you are uh, number you're ranked thirty four. That's not bad. And I am ranked thirty nine. Oh, I have one less point than you. God. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can check out your rankings borderprosling slash kiss to see how you're doing in the pickums. But I'm gonna pass you because I I like I've got the rest of this shit locked down, and you've mm. got. You got like a whole half of the tournament like dead to you. Yeah. And you know, some familiar names in the top 10, like I said, Chris Samsa, Undoubtedly Dean, our boy in the UK. Uh, why did you do that, bro? Who won our. You won last year, or the G1, right? You won the G1, pick them. So yeah, excited to see how you, you guys are doing in the tournament. So yeah, keep your tabs on that. And of course, we'll follow up with all the winners uh, come at the, this weekend because the finals are on Sunday. Well, like we said, we. um. Have literally only been watching the um, the tournament matches. I I at one point I was watching all the I, I was scrolling through the undercards, mm-hmm. and that way I'd kind of get a gist of what was going on, and then also uh, watching the post match promos. And I did that for most of the shows, but like it got to the point at the end of this week, like I couldn't do that. So yeah, I'm literally I, just watching the matches. I did watch all the undercard. I think it was either the Saturday or Sunday show. Um, and then I, I tried catching up on some of the promos before we started recording here. So we'll work our th- way through this. So let's start off March 10th. We had the conclusion of the uh, first round of the tournament. Uh, on the undercard opened up with Bullet Club, Bad Luck Fale, Dick Togo, Evil, and Kenta defeating Tanahashi, Juice, Toriano, and Yuyu Mora. Then we had United Empire, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay defeating New Japan Dads, Kojima, Hanuma, and Nagata. Then we had the LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, Shingo, and Naito defeating the Chaos team of Goto, Okada, Sho, and Tomohiro Ishii. And then our first tournament matchup of the evening was David Finley accompanied by Juice Robinson defeating the Texas heavyweight champion, the crown jewel, Chase Owens. Uh, you know, this, uh, this was a match that we saw last year in the New Japan Cup uh, USA tournament. Um, I would say this was probably probably better than it, but I wouldn't like rate it much higher. Um, I, I thought it was fine. It was totally serviceable, non egregious. You know, probably like a three, three and a quarter star affair, something like that. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't much that I was really invested in here. Um, like we both assumed, Dave Finley picked up the big win. Um, they did do a promo. Backstage where uh, <laughs> Dave Finley said that you know Chase Owens has the Texas heavyweight title But like he he doesn't feel That he's capable of uh, Challenging him for that belt because you can only win It in Texas mm. and because They got rid of the mask mandate he doesn't plan On going there anytime soon so he's like You can keep that title <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna take this win and Continue on in the New Japan Cup Yeah this this was a, a fine Little matchup here um, you know story of The match um Chase is working over Finley's back. There was like a crazy back right he did where he pulled Finley off the top of the rope and landed on his knee. But yeah, he was kind of targeting the back majority of the matchup there until coming on to the end where he's looking for the the package pile driver that Finley reversed into Arana to uh, kind of steal the win there and get the win over Chase. Yeah, it did look like Chase was uh, getting ready to kind of seal things up there at the end. He was sort of firmly in control. And then, you know, surprise roll-up out of nowhere, Dave Finley, which I, I thought Dave was going to win, but uh, I didn't think – I thought he was going to win a little more decisively. Right, his, his stunner or the uh, slice bread. But this is fine. 
Yeah. Uh, the next match of the night, we had uh, the Loose Explosion. <laughs> you know, I didn't... Okay, to answer that question from the other week, someone explained to us that uh, Yoshihashi used to have the term Loose Explosion on the back of his tights. And then he showed it to me, and I was like, I've definitely seen these matches. I don't recall this at all. But if if, if, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you know, I, I, up until like... The tail end of last year, I didn't like Yoshiashi. Right. So, like, he's never really been high on the radar for me. Yeah, and like, I think Loose Explosion was before I started really kind of focus. I was probably watching, like, this main events at the time. He was probably rocking the loose, loose Explosion stuff. Like, I looked at the matches that they showed me and the pictures, and I was like, I saw all these, but, like, I don't I don't know why I don't remember it. I just don't. It's so funny. But uh, Yoshihashi against Yujiro Takahashi. And, uh, man... Story of two careers going in totally different paths right now. <laughs> yeah, interesting. You know, Yujiro is actually a two and zero in their past uh, singles outing here. So, you know, Yoshihashi was looking for not only to advance, but you know, kind of gets a big win here over somebody he hasn't been able to beat in the past in uh, Yujiro Takahashi. Well, I was figuring. Um, my whole thinking was, Dave Finley goes on. He's the babyface. Mm-hmm. You you put. Yujiro through because what does it really matter? You know, Yujiro is more of a singles competitor than Yoshihashi is to some degree, and um, but I was wrong. You know, um, it looks like they've been heating up Yoshihashi uh, ever since last year, um, and you know they always give him something, right? But you know they've really been uh, giving him a, a lot more focus since he seemed to be sort of revitalized, uh, reinvigorated, and you know putting in great performances. And um, I thought. Th- this match, I didn't I didn't like it as much as the match prior, but it, it was fine. <laughs> again, right? It's, again, a decent little match up here. Your your gentlemen's three. It was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't obviously it wasn't blow away. This crowd on this night was terrible. They were dead. Yeah, it was dead. This was actually one of the worst nights of the tournament, especially since it was like three three matches back to back to back that I just wasn't mm-hmm. really impressed with, and I a couple of them I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yoshihashi, he gets to win here with the Karma. Hits the Karma in, on Yujiro. Beats the guy he hasn't been able to beat before and advances on into the tournament. Then we move on to the main event of the evening here. We had Switchblade, Jay White, defeating Toa Hanare, 24 minutes and 46 seconds. So this was a match where, you know, Toa Hanare, he's a guy that we've been waiting for them to sort of... I, I, I don't even want to use the term pull the trigger because it has too much like a connotation that like they're going to really just soar with him or like skyrocket him. And that's not really what I think even on this show we've been asking for. It's more like utilize him, find some sort of utility role. Right. Where this guy can, can be utilized. Uh, every time I see him in multi-mans, I think he looks great. I, uh, he's improved his physique. He's extended. I mean, he went to Thailand to, to learn Muay Thai. Yeah, and I think he integrates uh, some of the, those Muay Thai maneuvers a lot better than maybe, say, other individuals who I who have similar backgrounds. And, um, you know, he works hard. He's turned down other opportunities in the past. He's stuck around. He even cut a promo at the end of this match talking about this. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but management just doesn't seem to have faith in the guy. And Yeah, he, he's been just... just Stagnant. Yeah, exactly. treading water. Yeah, I mean, you know, he graduated from being a young lion, got it, you know, got his gimmick, and he's just kind of been in the same spot. And it's like, why? Like, this guy can go. We see him 
in the matches with guys like Ishii and, and Shingo and some of these, you know, never guys, and he performs really well when he's given the chance. But for whatever reason, they just don't have the plans to, to elevate him any further than what he needs to be. And I feel like a guy of his age and his skill shit Skill set should be a guy that they they try to elevate. I'm not saying he needs to right. know, challenge Kota Ibushi at Sakura Genesis or anything, but right. you know, elevate him. You know, give him a never title. You know, well, give, give him a tag title. It's not even that. Give him title shots. Right. Just use him. Like that's the thing. Have him win a, a big match. <laughs> they don't even use the guy. Right. You know. Um. So that's the crazy thing about it. And obviously, we were not expecting him to beat Jay White. That would have been probably ludicrous. Right. But what I was hoping, because this was a main event, and because the, uh, I thought he'd shown a lot of fire, speaking of Toa Hanare, in the lead-up to this match, I thought that they'd kind of give him more in the match. But um, I thought Jay White did the best he could, but this was really a dominant match. Yeah, the way it, they honestly, it, it felt like a 24-minute squash match. It did. Um, I mean, like Jay was mocking him throughout the whole match. Yeah. You know, Toronar was selling; he was beaten down, and Jay was just whooping on him. He had some, some, uh, you know, some minutes where he shine a little comeback, but Jay would immediately just stomp him out. And, a lot of cutoffs, yeah, cut him off all all time, and it was just like. And I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, Toronar, he got all of his big spots, and he got the spear, he got the toe bottom, he got the big rugby. Tackle that he does mm-hmm. he got the big strikes. I mean, he looked good, but uh, it was just the match was too long and too dominated by Jay White. And then afterwards, it was like Jay was out to embarrass him. Um, Jay beat him, and then he demanded that none of the young boys put any ice on <laughs> right. Him. Yeah, that they they give all the ice packs <laughs> to Jay, and he basically was like, "If you put an ice pack on him, I'm coming out there and I'm coming after one of you three and. He's like, and like he was talking to Gabe. He's like, Gabe, if you don't give me that ice pack, he was like, I'm coming out there. If I don't get you, I'm gonna get one of them, and it's gonna be your fault. <laughs> and so like Gabe gave him the ice pack, and then he's like, he's like, carry this bitch out. Like, <laughs> and I was like, damn. Which like that's great heel stuff, but like at this point with Toa, like I don't even know if he should stay in New Japan. Right. I mean, they're doing nothing for him. I feel like a change of scenery would be good for him. Uh, or or maybe he should go on one of these fabled excursions. He never got one, but you know, this wouldn't be the f- first time we've ever, you know, recommended that they do that. Right. We've been saying this for years now. Cuz yeah, it's one of those things like he graduated and he just kind of really almost really never left young lion status. I mean, he beats the other young lions, but he, he showed up in the Rambo with the gear. Right. He doesn't really beat anybody else besides young lions. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's almost like a de facto like captain of the young lions at this point. No, I don't know. at this point he's getting passed by mm. the lions. Yeah, and that was something that um we've said would happen in the past, and not just us. I think a lot of voices have kind of said that same thing. So, and and we're seeing it come to pass for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if he if he fought Carl Fredericks right now, Carl Fredericks beats him. You know? Yeah, uh, he's not even like a, a main roster member. He might even lose to Narita. Oh, oh, for sure. So, and yeah. So, I mean, this—that's just where we're at. Yeah. Uh, we had a question here from Viking Payne. It says Jay White keeps saying that he will split the titles if he wins, with the fans being upset and vocally against unification. What are the odds that this whole unification nonsense is actually just a storyline and not something being done for real? I, I mean, anything's possible. I never thought that they'd be. Getting rid of the IWTV <laughs> title. But, I mean, doesn't that sound, unless, like, uh, and I know there's conspiracy theorists who think this, but 
unless you're trying to like turn Ibushi and paint him as a villain and somehow make uh, Jay White the good guy. But that doesn't seem what, to be what they're doing at Honestly, all. I, I don't think, personally, I don't think it's a storyline. I think it's just Jay kind of being brilliant. Like, all right, he's an English speaker. So if anybody's going to check out promos, they're probably going to check his promos out. He reads Twitter. He know, people. They know that people are upset about the invocation. So I feel like he's kind of spinning that and just kind of working with what's going off out there to kind of, you know, have something interesting to say in the promo. It's a little bit different. Do you think that what he's saying, though, is too truthful? In the sense that, like, he's right? <laughs> it might be. Yeah, he's talking about, you know, wanting to save the legacy of Tanahashi, save the legacy of all former IC and heavyweight champions. But, you know, he doesn't really care about that. He, he only cares about his he's own. He's really self-interested. But, right. But what he's saying rings true completely. Very often, Jay White kind of um, treads on that sort of, like, line of, like, being being a heel who actually makes sense and, like, says things that, like, you kind of get behind. Um and I think that that's sort of a situation here, but um, I think it would be kind of stupid if they made all this big deal about them unifying the titles, you know, telling all these stories, and then they they don't pull the trigger. And I, uh, trust me, I don't want them to do it. Right. I, I at this point, I wish that they would simply do it because they already said they're going to do it. We're at the point where it's like there's no going back, but just. Come out and say that the IWGP lineage is going to continue. Right. I mean, I don't have to. Show, I don't have to paint the examples because or explain them because I've already given them in the past. But we've seen this happen in many companies when titles are unified. That one title's lineage continues. Oh, you know what I hated? WWE used to do this thing where they would have title unifications. Mm-hmm. And then the shittier titles lineage was the one that continued. <laughs> they did it when they when they unified the women's and the divas title. They kept the divas. They kept the divas lineage. Yeah. And when they unified the um, they unified the SmackDown and the Raw tag team titles, and the Raw one was went, the world lineage. Went back to like Tony Gurria and all these guys. That was the world lineage. And then they kept the one that started with like Benoit and Angle or whoever won that shit. Right. Yeah. In two thousand two. Yeah. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> They, make, uh, they don't make sense, man. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. Uh, next question here from our user, PSAN91. says, I remember on a podcast a while back, the young boy talked about how Jay sometimes fucks off during a tour like, towards <laughs> the end of 2019. I don't know what your guys' opinion on, on his new J-Pan Cup matches have been so far, but I was a little disappointed with the Hanare match as they built it up well, but the match itself felt like it dragged on too long for what it was trying to do, put Hanare over. Also, I, I, I don't know that they're trying to put Hanari over, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Also, Jay versus Tana was underwhelming, and the finish just seemed to come out of n- nowhere, although I guess that is why the Blade Runner is an effective finishing move. I guess what was underwhelming for me was knowing that they're both capable of a better match like they had in the past. For example, I love the match for Best of Super Junior Finals in 2019. So my question is, do you think Jay is saving himself for the bigger matches coming up like the inevitable match for the inevitable title of Tana, or is he just fucking off as he realized he can get a good crowd reaction without having to do too much during this current tour? Well, um, just to be clear, those are the same thing. So him saving himself for bigger matches is him fucking off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he does, and a lot of wrestlers do this. you know. Right. Um, so I'm not like indicting him for it or whatever, but that's that's just kind of what it is. Um, 
that that's my answer, I guess. To I, I think you brought up a lot of good points. I don't remember them. Did they wrestle at Best Super Juniors 2019? Is he thinking of a different show? I don't remember that. Mm, I'm blanking on it right now. I could go back and look. It doesn't seem worth it, though, right now. Yeah. But they've, they've definitely had, I mean, this might be the worst match they've had in New Japan. Talk about Jay and Tana? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, we'll get to that match here in a second. But, yeah, I definitely think Jay is, you know, he's, it's, I hate to say it, but he's wrestling smart. You know, he's not killing himself. You know, these are limited capacity crowds. Some of them are dead. Um, he's still, you know, still getting, you know, his character over. He's still kind of getting heat. He's getting the crowds to, you know, clap along and stuff like that and kind of stringing people along. So he, he's getting over without having to break, him, break himself down or, you know, try and put on these amazing matches. Would I like him to put on amazing matches? Yes, but he's just preserving his body. There's a lot of shows. I thought that that ma- we'll talk about it, but I thought that match was passable. You know, it wasn't like a complete and total abandonment of what he's capable of or anything like that. And yeah. uh, same thing with Tanahashi, although I think I've got more criticism on Tanahashi for that match. Mm. But, you know, uh, as I've begun to wrestle, the thing I've learned is we think very often that these guys are like supermen. And, and in a lot of ways, they are. You know, they, they, I mean, you have to be durable, well-trained, flexible, you know, uh, you know, all those things. Have muscle, protect yourself, you know, um, have all that. But, bro, one bad bump could, like, I'm not saying, t- like, end your career, but, like, have you feeling like shit to where, yeah. like, you can't move right the next day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen, but, you know, you tweak something, you hit a little muscle, that spasm comes up, ah, you know? You just don't, I mean, you never know. It happens um, all the time. So, right. I mean, that's another thing, too. It's like we don't know what kind of condition the guys are always in. And, that you know, that that's a reason why we had, you know, tie-dye pants Kenny and T-shirt, you know. Naito. Naito and Hoodie Goto. And all these, <laughs> you know, these guys that come out there and they, they give half effort on the smaller shows because... To wrestle the high-octane physical style that New Japan does, I mean, it really does take a lot out of... I mean, I, I can only imagine <laughs> what it takes out of those guys to go out there 30, 40 minutes and do the shit that they do. I mean, I see them do stuff, and I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah, especially, you know, during G1 season. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, it's crazy. Uh, so, that concludes the first round. We had some questions here from Rambo and Slam Pig about the, the ending of the first round up here. So, first he says, whose performance surprised you the most in the first round? Oh, man. Uh, let me go back and look and try to remember who I was uh, the most surprised or impressed with. Um, Hanma. Mm. Easily. Um. I mean, there's some there's some other good answers. I think Gabe Kidd would be another one, although I, I wasn't that surprised. I mean, I think we kind of saw the potential that was there with Gabe Kidd, and he sort of met those expectations. But to see Hanma go out there and have the type of match he did, given the condition he's in, that was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, I have to agree. If you have to go with Hanma, you know, you see Hanma come out there, you, you don't expect much from him. And he went out there and had a really good match with Suzuki. Fucking banger. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, near, you know, four stars. I know saw, saw some people going four stars on it. Um, it was really, really good matchup there. So, yeah, I'd have to go Hanma as well. 
Um, his next question, which first round elimination busted your brackets the worst? Okada, Naito, or something else? And I mean, it's real simple for me, and I think we have different answers. For me, it's Naito and Okan. Mm. Uh, that, that really fucked me because I, I had Naito in mind for the rest of what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure for you, it's probably Okada and Shingo. Yeah, it's Okada. I had Okada going over Shingo, um, and that, that just that busted my bracket right there. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, his last question: What was your favorite first round match? My favorite, and I, 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 I could even maybe argue it was the best, but it, it's probably not, at least by consensus. But my favorite first round match was Zack Saber and Gabe Kid. Mm. I really enjoyed that match. Uh, for me, my favorite first round match was Okada and Shingo. Just incredible uh, main event match up there. Um, you know, great callbacks from the G1 match. And just Shingo just being so uh, you know, resilient and re- refusing to you know fall to the money clip. Some con- great stuff there. Nice. So let's move on to the start of the second round. We've got New Japan Cup action March 11th. Um, on that evening, the Chaos Tag Team of Ishii and Yoshihashi defeated Dave Finley and Yota Suji. Um, the Bullet Club team of Balak Fale, Jado, Yujiro Takahashi defeated Satoshi Kojima, Honma, and Yuya Yumura. We had a question about this from King DW510. He said, It seems that Fale is probably going to tr- uh, transition into a trainer position. Do you guys think New Japan is going to have Hikaleo? Take his role of being the big guy that's not necessarily a great wrestler, but gets a lot of wins and upsets in tournaments. I mean, I think that would be a good role for Hikaleo. I mean, he might even surpass, you know, Balak Fale. He is in better shape. He is more athletic. He is younger. So whenever they do decide to kind of bring him back over to Japan, start integrating him back um, in storylines over there, I could definitely see him being kind of a force to be reckoned with and a guy that is dominant. Uh, I hadn't thought of that, but I I could see that being a realistic possibility. We've been on the uh, Hikaleo train since, like, day one, so. Yeah. Uh, continuing on, the Chaos Tag Team of Goto, Okada, and Sho. Uh, teaming up with Yuji Nagata, they defeated LIJ Team of Bushi, Sonata, Shingo, and Naito. And then the fourth match of the night, Tanahashi, Juice, and Toa Hanari defeated the Bullet Club Team of Chase Owens, Jay White, and Kenta with Ghetto. Um, so that's going to bring us to the semi-main event of the evening um, as Toru Yano defeats the Great Ocon. 13 minutes. <laughs> Jeremy, 13 minutes and two seconds. Yeah, I, I got to say I am a little bit disappointed in the result of this matchup here with the Great Ocon coming off such a you know big win, knocking off Naito, in the first round, this was that was a big monumental win for him, especially you know after losing a couple of big matches, you know losing to Tanahashi twice, um, losing to Okada, you know he, he had lost a lot of his big singles matches, and so to to knock out Naito, I thought that did a great you know thing for his for him and his character and just kind of direction that they were going with him, and then for him to you know drop the ball here to Yano, and I get it, I know. Yano is the one guy that can beat everybody. Yano has beaten Tanahashi, Okada. He's beaten the big stars before. But I feel like they needed more time to establish Okan before he, you know, slips up the banana peel and loses to uh, Toriyano. I think that it was kind of a little bit of reverse work of what they did uh, with the win over Naito. 
Yeah, uh, man. This was one of those things where we had spoken about this previously on the show, and uh, I, th- I think during the preview, we talked with Chris about this, possibly. I'm trying, I don't know, it's been a few weeks now, but I think my thinking at the time had been Okan only really needed to beat Naito. That was going to be his big glory moment. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made him, right? Right. And so my thinking after that was it didn't matter if he lost afterwards because he already beat a big star Naito and kind of had like a a made, you know, program or at least, you know, uh, down the road something to kind of cling to. But uh, I wasn't betting on the fact that Yano would be the guy he, he lost to. Right. Now, you could chalk it up to... It's not the most damaging thing in the world, but this is essentially what I would... I agree with the point you made. I think it's basically 50-50 booking, in a sense, where you give the guy a big, big win, and then you give him an inconsequential loss, but it deflates all the air out of his balloon almost immediately. I'm not saying he needed to go on this big, dominant win, but... um, Give him something. Give him a little run. Here's the big problem. At 13 minutes and two seconds, this match way overstayed its welcome and because it lasted so long there wasn't even necessarily that sense of plausible deniability like oh this he, he rolled him up in 30 seconds or whatever right and that would that might have been too too short i right. mean they they kind of put themselves in a tricky situation even booking this match to begin with right you know and, and I think this a finish too. Just made Ocon look stupid as well, bro. I don't even remember the finish. I'm, I, I watched the match. I'm trying to think back. Like, so, uh, I remember all the tape spots and everything. Um, also, what the fuck's up with a uh, great Ocon carrying like a pair of scissors <laughs> in his fucking like? That's my move. That's <laughs> when I'm at, when I'm out like running out on the streets, town and country, <laughs> carry scissors in my shorts. Well, yeah, so the scissors came into the finish here. So Yano had um, got his, his ponytail tied up in the guardrail. Oh, uh, I remember he, now. He, yeah, now, now. Now it's coming back to me. Yeah, I remember. He gets the scissors. He cuts his braid, runs back in. He's about to stab Yano with the scissors. Yano ducks. Mule kicks Okan, spares him in the back, and gets a roll-up for the win. Like, I think that the thinking here was this was a protection move. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said... He slipped on a banana peel and and then womp, 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 lost. But they did it so soon after a big win. And not just the fact that, like, if he'd had, if he'd beaten Tanahashi and then Naito and then had this little slip up, no big deal. Right. But what it makes it feel like, it makes it feel like the Naito win was the anomaly. And all these other losses that he's accrued are what's regular. Right. Like the Naito win was a fluke. Yeah, that that's the fluke. Yeah, this doesn't feel like the fluke, even though it sh- even though that's what they were aiming for. Right. Long term, no one's going to really remember this. But also, is anyone going to remember the Naito win? I I don't know how much. I mean, they're going to have to. They got their work cut out for them, and like, that's not the whole point of what they're trying to do. The point was to uh, get him over and elevate him, and instead, this is why I called it fifty fifty because with fifty fifty booking, nobody gets over, and it's like right. It's almost like a stalemate. He's, he kind of he, he's, he's at he's right where he was. Right, yeah. Even though he's not supposed to be, he beat Naito. This should be a big deal, but then he, he got beat by Yano yeah, in, in a dumb way. Yeah, I know logically, it 
should be like, this was a fluke and he's fine. And I think that's what they're going for. But it didn't feel that way when it was right. done. I mean, it the, felt stupid. The previous booking is what's, what's hurt this match. Like, if had he had beaten Tanahashi, had he beaten Okada, had he won some of these big singles matches that he had, but all right, they've given him a lot. It's, you know, it's okay. One slip up, but he's lost in every big match except the Naito match. And then now he's losing again. So it's like. I, I know a lot of long term. Term uh, New Japan fans are probably like, but it's Yano. He can be anybody. He's the master thief. Blah, right. blah, blah. And I get that. And that's true. But they shouldn't have done that to Okan right now. He wasn't ready for it. He wasn't He ready. wasn't ready. <laughs> 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 he wasn't ready for Okan or for Yano. Yeah. Remember fucking Leo Rush got he. She wasn't ready for Asuka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. So, so, that was that. So, Yano advances to the, the quarterfinals. Um, and then the main event of the evening, we had Evil with Dick Togo defeating the Hatchet, Jeff Cobb, 2030 minutes, 8 seconds. So, off the air, I pretty much – I, I might have said this on the air last week. I, I, I'm losing track of my days, but – uh. Off the air, you and I were talking about it, and I was like, you know, I keep saying on the show when Evil's matched up with, like, a new opponent or someone that's promising, I'm always like, that could be good, you know? And this is coming from a guy that's never liked Evil since the day I started, like, you know, seeing him, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but every now and again, I know that he's capable in the right circumstance with the right opponent of pulling off something that is... Plausibly passable, you know, right? But I keep forgetting that, like, I sometimes judge evil off the old evil metrics and not on the new Bullet Club version with the <laughs> Bullet Club shenanigans <laughs> and the Gato shit. And I, I should stop clinging to the idea that at some point he might just on one night decide to kind of like switch it up and deviate from the formula that they've cultivated Mm -hmm. because maybe like a year or two ago, if this was a G one match in the middle on like night 11, this could have been a little, little banger. Yeah. Evil Cobb could have been a little banger. I'm not saying like anything crazy, but you know, three and a half, three and three three quarters. quarters. Nice little match. This was not that shit at (laughs) all. The only person I was in, in, I was, I was impressed with Cobb. Cobb did some cool ass shit in this match. But other than that, this match sucked. Yeah. Oh, before we get to this, one thing I want to say. Dave bearing the fuck out of Yano Okan. Now, granted, Okan and Yano sucked. 13 minutes, way too long. Way too long. They could have wrapped that up in like, what, five, six, seven minutes? Yeah. Would have been fine. But he he went on the air and was like, this is a worst match of the year contender. Like, like the fiend ain't out here. <laughs> <laughs> Having these garbage ass right. matches. Bro, why does he hate Okan so much? I don't know. He buried the Okan Naito match. He gave it like, what, two and a half or two and three quarters, something like that? Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, what's his face? Doesn't like, Brian, Brian doesn't like him either. Yeah, they both hate Okan. Which is like, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. I don't know. Maybe like this is one of those things where like we are the New Japan truthers. Mm, we are the uh, NJPW defense squad. Yeah, we're we're the uh, Bushi Defense Squad, Bushi Road Defense Squad, um, because the other like voices that are, you know, 
Pro voices out there, New Japan, you know, coverage, you know, individuals on Twitter and in this stratosphere, they, they all like Okan, and so do we. But yeah, some of these more casual types that are covering it, they they don't fuck with this guy. Yeah, but like, it's just too much. Like they're going too, they're overdoing it because, sure, I get why you might not like him, but don't pretend like. This was the absolute worst garbage you've seen all year. When WWE puts out the worst fucking shit <laughs> right. on a consistent... Bro, this weekend, Fastlane's going to fucking outdo... Like, I, I don't even really... I heard a couple matches on there, and I was like, holy fuck. It's going to outdo tenfold what this match was. So what what is he talking about? He's given to too much hyperbole, bro. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back to Evil and Cobb. Yeah, so... This matchup, you know, the normal kind of evil trope, you know, the stupid uh, baseball chair spot on the outside, which is why isn't that a DQ? I still don't know. Oh, well, actually, Kevin Kelly did a good job explaining this. He said, here's why. Because previously you could use a weapon in the crowd. Mm. And then you weren't allowed to necessarily use a weapon in the ring area on the outside. That was like kind of grounds for a DQ, although we see people break it all the time. Mm-hmm. But because they're not allowed to fight in the actual crowd because of COVID protocols, they've loosened their already very loose rules mm. when it comes to you know interference and, and weapon use on the outside of the ring. Mm. I don't know if that's like what they have said but like that, that's, that's that's honestly the best explanation that's that his I've explanation heard. Yeah. and i was like okay so i guess that's what they're doing uh but like you mentioned Cobb did some cool stuff there was one uh belly to belly where like he almost like he almost dropped on his head i was like oh my gosh he did a really sick um double body slam where he put uh dick togo on his shoulders yes the ball and then, uh, and then he Oklahoma got slam. evil up there too and yeah. fucking power slam them um that was sick how about this one thing I hate about this, okay, it's really cool that Dick Togo is probably making like major league money right now in the in the like later stages of his illustrious career. Mm-hmm. But all these people probably think Dick Togo sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> all the new fans, all these newer fans think Dick Togo's like lame as fuck. You know, it's like if you only saw Harley Race when he was like managing like Lex Luger, and you didn't see him, you know, in the late seventies, early eighties. Like, God. I wish people could, I wish they, and you know what, Dick Togo's still really good. He goes, like, in Michinoku Pro or wherever the fuck he's at and mm-hmm. and tears it up, but they got him here, like, you know, being a stooge. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. I mean, get your money, man, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah, and of course here we had a ref bump, which led into that spot you talked about where Cobb was able to uh, slam both guys there. Um, and then we had Yujiro Takahashi coming off of commentary to distract the referee. That helps Evil to escape. Tour of the Islands hits a low blow and hits Cobb with the everything is evil. One, two, three. He defeats Cobb. This was a match that did bust my brackets. I I, I only picked Cobb over Evil because there was no logic involved. It was more like wishful thinking. Mm. And also, like, I wanted to be the smartest guy. Because I was, like, I was looking... For, like, when you're gambling, you look for value, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. where, where's that value pick where if I pick it, no one else, it's, you know, no one else is picking it. That will set my bracket apart from everybody else's so I can win whatever it is we're giving to people. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, this this was one that fucked me. Like, I should have known, bro. Evil fucked off all New Japan Cup last year, and he's fucking off all New Japan Cup this yeah, year. Yeah, that's, that's why I, ha- I had him in the final four. Yeah, well, you're probably right. So that's where he's at now. He takes uh, he beats uh, Jeff Cobb here and bends on to the quarterfinals. Yeah. So March 13th, let's uh, get it going. Yeah, so start off, we have the chaos team of Ishiyano Yoshihashi defeating Dave Finley, Gabriel Kidd, and Yodosuji. Then we had the United Empire defeating Suzuki-gun, Doki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. Now, I might be wrong here. I think that this is kind of where Doki's... Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Doki. Taichi's distaste and, like, ongoing, like, uh, anger towards the United Empire stemming from because for the rest of the tour, from what I'm seeing online... Yeah, he's burying them. Yeah, he's, he's fucking burying them. He's, he's pissed. Yeah, he's like, your stupid little little faction. This is like, they're so boring. <laughs> I do love that guys have, like, the autonomy to kind of, like, go out there and just say whatever the fuck yeah. they want to say. Um but yeah, yeah he's, you call that a faction. Yeah, he's like burying the faction, burying the Night Empire backstage. Yep. Uh, so then we had uh, Lij, Bushi, Sonata, and Naito defeating Okada, Sho, and Yuji Nagata. Then we had Bullet Club with a Bad Luck Fale, Evil, and Jay White defeating Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and Toa Hanare. Then the semi-main event, we had uh, first tournament match of the night, second round action here as Kenta defeated Minoru Suzuki, 16 minutes, 50 seconds. First uh, singles match between these two in New Japan, second ever, the last time was 16 years ago in pro wrestling Noah, and, uh, you know, where Kenta and Suzuki are both at and their careers are quite different. I mean, Kenta was in the infancy stages of his career at the time, and Suzuki was like pretty much basically just returned to pro wrestling from his shoot fighting, uh, you know, career. So uh, quite a bit different at this point in 2021. But um, this was a match where a lot of interesting things happened. Kenta came out. He started the match reading a newspaper. Yeah, he was reading the newspaper doing uh, Suzuki's entrance. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't really get the the whole reference to that. I watched this with English commentary. Kevin Kelly didn't seem to understand, but they were just like the the gall, the audacity, the brashness. <laughs> I think it just Kenta being disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Kenta did cut some pretty great promos uh, in the backstage before this match. He kept talking about like how Suzuki wasn't focused on him and, like, he needed to be, like, paying attention because Kenta was going to be his ass. And he's like, you know, the fans don't give a... He's like, the fans don't care about your socks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, because he wears those... Uh, Instagram posts or whatever, right? Yeah, he... I, I don't know if he's paid by them, but he wears Stance socks, mm-hmm. which, actually, I, I've had one pair of Stance socks, and I loved them. So I get why he uh, <laughs> stands for them. But uh, anyways, so he's like, he's like... Yeah, anyway, so Kenta uh, and Suzuki, the match started. I thought it was a, a bit too slow for my pace or for my taste. Um, I think, I, I don't know who laid the match out, but this felt more of like a Kenta-style match mm-hmm. for the first half. Towards the second half, it really got heated up. The The thing towards the tail end of the match that stuck out the most for me, though, was Kenta and Suzuki were fucking slapping the shit out of each yeah. other. I mean, hard as piss. Like, uh, one thing I, I, 
I think it was Kevin Kelly recently, or no, I'm sorry, it was Dave Meltzer. <laughs> Dave was on his show singing the praises of Shingo, as he should, and he was talking about how crisp his strikes are, and he said that he has the best-sounding-looking and most effective elbow strikes in all of pro wrestling. Uh, that's not even close to true, bro. Nobody throws elbow strikes like Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> insane. Um, but him and Kenta, there was, like, one point where they were just, like, they were both hitting each other so hard. I was like, bro, you can easily get a fucking concussion from hitting someone open open face. I got slapped one time by, uh, I'll just say it, Mike Seidel fucking slapped me right in the face, <laughs> like, hard. Um, I, I think he was meaning to slap me, like, in the neck, which is, like, the safe spot, but he slapped me right in the fucking <laughs> face. And um, I'd never been, I've never been hit in pro wrestling like that before. I mean, I've, like, taken a grazing punch or whatever, but, like, he fucking, walt, like, molly me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, bro, like, there's so much force with an open hand. It, it's a different kind of force, but, like, remember uh, at Final Battle, Zack Sabre, like, gave uh, John, John Gresham, Gresham, he yeah. gave him a concussion. Yeah. Like, you can fuck somebody up with those slaps. And, like, all this tournament, like, I'm glad Suzuki's out because, like, there was those pictures of him and Hanma, and Hanma's whole face looked dif- disfigured. Yeah. Like, he's fucking laying into people. <laughs> he's sadistic, man. There's a reason they call him Murder Grandpa. Yeah, man. Um, And then right when the match was, like, heating up, they're hitting each other, and it's going crazy, Kenta just picks Suzuki up, GTSs him, one, two, three, and it's over, which was cool, and it was fine. But it felt a little sudden and not sudden in a way where it was like, oh, my God, it that, came out of nowhere. Yeah, it came yeah. out of nowhere. It was just like, oh, that was it. Yeah. Um, And it was a very similar finish to the one that Suzuki and Shingo used in their match during the finals of the uh, G1 last year, which wasn't that long ago. So it kind of reminded me of that. Overall, I thought it was a good match, but I, I thought it had some pacing issues. Yeah, and I felt it's a little clunky to me. Yeah. Like I, I feel like they weren't kind of quite on the same page as far as maybe communication, or maybe kind of how some things were laid out or how they worked together. Like you mentioned, only the second singles match um, in their career, and so maybe not the best chemistry. Kenta was like, I'm calling this shit, brother. <laughs> and Suzuki's like, fuck you, I'm calling this. Suzuki's like, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> and they're like, all right, well, let's just slap each other. All right. <laughs> we'll call it in the ring. <laughs> um but, yeah, I mean, it was a good match, but I think this is one of these matches that was really hyped up. You know, people were really excited to see Kenta, Kenta and Suzuki, and I think we're expecting a little bit more. Like you mentioned, it definitely had that Kenta kind of slow pace, a lot of powdering at the beginning. Um, and then Suzuki kind of was kind of almost a de facto babyface in this match where he got c- kind of cut off a lot and did a lot of selling until they got to the, s- the slap fest um, portion of the match. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain too much, but I'm not going to overpraise the match. There were some things I liked, some things I didn't like, but uh, I was glad. Uh, ultimately, I'm glad Kenta continued on. Um, you know, I, I saw some people that wanted Suzuki and Shingo again, but we just got three of those last year. Right. And um, I could be wrong, but I've never seen, I up until this week, I'd never seen Kenta and Shingo in singles action. I don't know if they've ever fought out, like, I doubt they have, just based on, you know, Kenta never went to, like, I think he went to Dragon Gate, like, once and hated it, mm. so I, I don't think they've wrestled before this week. Yeah, his, his promos on Chingo have been hilarious, too. 
I haven't seen any of his promos on Shingo. What has he been saying? He's like, he's talking about how much he hates Shingo. He's like, why does he call himself a dragon? <laughs> he's like, that would be like if my name was Jack Russell and I called myself a cat. He's like, it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he's just burying Shingo. Uh, okay, yeah, so they have had three matches. Um, one prior match in Dragon Gate in 2008 it was Kent, but they this was the first singles match between Kenta and Shingo. So it was uh, the, the first time they wrestled, though, 2008, was Kenta and Taiji Ishimori against... Uh, BB Hulk and Shingo Takagi, New Hazard, mm. for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. So, um, yeah, and I think that that's the time where Kenta went there and like buried the promotion or whatever because he didn't like he, you know being he didn't want to be in a minor league company. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of Shingo, let's talk about this main event here on March 13th. We had Shingo Takagi defeating Hiroki Goto. 23 minutes, 51 seconds. I really enjoyed this match up here. Uh, there's just a lot of like urgency uh, in this match. Even from the, from the beginning of the match, they're doing sh- shoulder tackles, elbow exchanges. They're, they're teasing the finishes right at the beginning of the match here. And you just feel like this was an important match for both guys, especially Goto, you know, kind of being kind of relegated in the, the tag division and really hasn't had a really big singles moment in a while. And you kind of got that desperation from him. Like, he really wanted to beat this match. This was their fourth uh, singles match between both these guys. Um, with Shingo uh, winning the, the last time they wrestled. I think Shingo's probably, I think, won majority of the matches. That they, that I don't know had. if Goto's ever beat Shingo. I don't think he has. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Shingo's won them all. Uh, and so, yeah, just the, the, the urgency that Goto was showing here. And these guys were, were throwing bombs, throwing uh, big moves. Uh, Shingo showing the ultimate disrespect using a, an elevated GTR at one point to try to get, try and get a win here. Yeah, I I thought this match was good, very very good. I thought it was uh, borderline great. Uh, I think Shingo and Goto they have a lot of chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know, people kind of forget about Goto. Uh, y- you kind of gave one of your recommended match of the week last week and involved a big you know uh, match from his past and. You know, I think more modern fans are not totally aware of, like, the whole history of Goto. Right. When it comes to New Japan. But, uh, you know, he's one of those guys where, like, he's kind of treading water and then they put him in a big spot when he's needed to be. And he knocks it out of the park more often than not. And that's kind of what we got here. Uh, I thought it played very well off the previous, you know, never matches that these two have had. And... um I thought it was very exciting. Yeah, the crowd seemed to be very into it. This was a better, you know, these two matches back-to-back were very good. And, um, you know, every time Shingo fucking, I think of anybody that I've ever seen in New Japan, nobody takes the pumping bomber as well from Shingo as Goto does. Right, yeah. Every time he just does an amazing job selling. Of course, the most the best one was that one G1 match where like, he just flipped inside out. Uh, so yeah, I made Shingo look like a monster here, and like I mentioned, Shingo had that that elevated GTR, which led into the pumping bomber. Then the last of the dragon drills Goto one two three. Shingo advances. This match was very hard hitting. A lot of big moves. A lot of big uh, suplexes. Um, striking. Great now, matchup here. Now I don't know that Shingo is going to win this tournament. I imagine he's going to the finals. But it kind of has similar vibes to other winners. 
Shibata, Zack Saber, Naito, guys that are like building up this like momentum throughout the tournament where like you if you're paying attention you can kind of see it coming. Right. Um I don't think he's the only one, but like they're doing a really good job with him and it almost feels like if he doesn't win it might be a little bit of a disappointment at this point. Mm. You know. Right. Um I kind of thought it was a little too on the nose given how everyone was banking on the idea that like the there's a story with Ibushi running through LIJ and the teases of the match between the two of them on previous tours. I was like, uh, you know, that seems a little too obvious, but sometimes that's what New Japan does. Sometimes they give us the obvious stuff, and if that's where they're going, they're doing a good job of it. Right. Uh, question here from Viking Payne. says, Shingo isn't the new Ishii or Suzuki. He's the new Shibata. Meaning, barring a catastrophic injury, he's going to be right up there with the big four and be a big-time player going forward. They have a chance to really cement him as a new main event star like what they did with Shibata if Shingo wins it all. Osprey is fantastic and a once-in-a-generation talent, but Shingo is really hot right now and, in my opinion, the wrestler of the year so far. So he should win. Thoughts? Um, I think those are some great... You know, um, insights. Uh, I I don't know if I think he's the new Shibata. I think he's the first Shingo. <laughs> mm. You know, I, I don't think that there's been anybody like him in this company necessarily. I mean, uh, we've kind of talked about how hesitant the company is to go with outsiders um, for whatever reason. I mean, especially nationalistic outsiders. You know, this right. is a guy that had his whole career made in, in um, Dragon Gate. But with that being said, his talent is undeniable. And so they are having to, to utilize him and push him because his talent speaks for himself. Uh, why that doesn't work for Yushi, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I, I do see the correlation here that Viking Pain is trying to I see something, yeah. Yeah, you know, Shibata was mainly a never guy, um, you know, had those the hard-hitting never matches, never title matches, and then... That New Japan Cup happened, had that match with Okada at Secure Genesis, kind of, you know, that was that big kind of defining moment for him. But, you know, I don't agree with that whole narrative. Hmm. The narrative that lives in a lot of fans' minds that after that match, Shibata was going to be made and it was going to be his year and he was going to be a future IWGP champion and he was going to be a big four guy. I don't think that was ever going to happen. <laughs> I really don't because look at who was a look who was around at the same time, Kenny Omega, Tanahashi, Naito, Naito Okada. They were never going to put Shibata in the spots that they put those guys. It wasn't going to fucking happen. Right. I'm not. I'm a. Also, oh we're, no. We're, I'm. This is an offshoot. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. I do think that they were elevating him from the lower mid. Never area mm-hmm. and i think that they were going to keep him around as like ic level possibly yeah yeah i could see that i i think he was going to be around as a guy that they used as upper mid you know mm-hmm. um i don't know I, I i don't know if there's anyone i mean probably like in the same suzuki isn't isn't a bad analogy mm-hmm. um sonata to a lesser extent guys like that i think he was going to be in the guy that kind of rounded out the group but um, Abushi, where Abushi was, right? How Abushi was a guy that was like at the top, but he was not until recently one of the tip, tip top guys. And there are many times. How many times did we hear over the years? 
after a big performance, a big, you know, that Ibushi was made. And he never was. Right. The only reason that Ibushi got to where he is now, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, is because. Signed that contract. <laughs> he signed a contract and a lot of guys left and a lot of guys got old. Mm. And they kind of pulled the trigger on him. But, like, I don't know, man. I, I think about where Shibata was, and I love Shibata, but it's like Jay White was on the horizon. Abushi was on the horizon. Will Ospreay's on the horizon. There, he would have had an incredible class of guys to work with, but this idea he was going to be a, a IWGP champion, he was never going to be an IWGP champion. He was never going to be a top five guy. Yeah. Ever. And I don't think, I don't know if Shingo ever would I don't, be. I don't know if Shingo would be either, but I think this is a good first step of kind of maybe getting him out of that, like, he's just never guy. And sh- I agree. And showing that he can work main events, and it's realistic that he can get a tile shot. Well, that's what the New Japan Cup is there for, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's, I think there is a great comparison between him and Shibata because that's what they were trying to do at the time with that whole, with the culmination of that story. Yeah. Um, I mean, with Secure Genesis coming up, we have a uh, Russell Grand Slam Stadium Show Dome Show, we we got Dominion coming up. You you need some other guys that can be in these main events besides Okada, Naito, and Tanahashi. So I think it's a, it's a great way to do it with we'll elevating Shingo here. Muto. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, I, I I do think that there's some great insights in that question though. So March 14th, uh, we have the Chaos team: Tomohiro Ishii, Toriyano, and Yoshihashi. They defeated Dave Finley. Yotsuji and Yuya Yamura. Uh, second match of the night, Bullet Club team, Badlock Fale, Chase Owens, Kenta, defeated the Suzuki Gun team of Doki, Suzuki, and Tai Chi. Third match of the night, Chaos, Goto, Okada, and Sho, without their fourth wheel, Nagata, <laughs> <laughs> defeated the LIJ team of Bushi, Shingo, and Naito. And the fourth match of the night, Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and Tohinari defeated the Bullet Club team of Evil, Jay White, and Yujiro Takahashi. So that brings us to our semi-main event with Sonata defeating Yuji Nagata, 18 minutes and 18 seconds. Yeah, no surprise here, Sonata getting the win. Uh, This was very similar to the singles match that they had. Uh, It was like... Eerily similar to that match Right, they had a few weeks ago <laughs> I mean, it, it was a fine match here Nothing special Again, kind of a gentleman's three guys Both these guys kind of hitting their, their big spots here um, you, you know, I, I was really impressed with Sonata In the, the Ishii matchup And he showed a lot of fire there And kind of wrestled more of a never style And so I was kind of hoping we would see Some of that fire kind of spill over to this matchup With, with Nagata, who's Obviously kind of notorious with the never style as well, but uh, he kind of resorted back to just, you know, kind of regular Sonata doing the same old spots, you know, TKO, the, the you know, the moonsault and all that stuff. And so. Yeah, I mean, this match, I'm sorry, I thought I thought you were, I was letting you finish. Yeah, I'm <laughs> um, yeah this match was very, very, very similar to the match that Sonata and Yuji Nagata had, what was that Castle Attack tour? Yeah, it was on the road, to, one of the road to Castle Attacks when uh, Naito was hurt. Um, I mean, this was probably a little bit longer, I'm guessing, or at least it felt a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, I thought Sonata looked fine. I thought Yuji Nagata looked good. I mostly enjoyed the early chain grappling stuff, the stuff in the middle. It it was like the same problems I had the first time. It was like there was all this leg work, it didn't get sold, and then. The closing stretch was very good, and then it just kind of ended. Um, 
I, I don't really have a lot to say here. I mean, it yeah. was like probably, I don't know, three and a quarter. Again. Yeah, like three and a quarter, yeah. And, you know, everyone kind of knew Sonata was going to defeat Eugene Nagata. I wish they would have maybe changed it up from the, the match they had like a few weeks prior, but they probably just figured like nobody saw that shit. Let's just <laughs> run it back, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was fine. You know, you know what I wish they would have done is I wish that they would have done Ishii Nagata in the first round. Had Ishii knock out Nagata, they have a banger. Then you do Ishii Sonata in the second round. Who? And then what? Like have Sonata Suji? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds better to me. And then you, you get two. You get two Ishii matches instead of one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I I don't know. What's funny is the Nagata Suji match is better than this match. Right. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's move on <laughs> to the main event. Highly anticipated match between Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. They faced off in a, a little feud of the, you know, we, we called it a feud of the year contender last year uh, as they were battling over the Rev Pro heavyweight British title. Um, Will Ospreay comes in this match as that champion. This is obviously a New Japan Cup second round match. Um, roles are kind of reversed. We're seeing Will Ospreay as a heel going up against another heel in Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Will Ospreay defeats Zack Sabre Jr. 21 minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, very noteworthy match. A lot to kind of dig into and talk about here. Uh, Jeremy, what were your thoughts? Zack Sabre and Will Ospreay do not miss. This was another uh, fantastic matchup between... These guys love uh, both of their matches that they had um, in 2019 uh, on the uh, that tour. I forget which I'm blanking on which tour it was, but they wrestled in New Japan and they had the Rev Pro Show matchup where Will well beat Saber. Uh, but these guys just have a, a history of just having great matches with each other. Um, I, I love the pacing of the match. I mean, straight out the get go, you have Osprey, you know, dropping Saber out of the ring, hitting a plancha. Um, and then you're hitting the, you know, the pip pip cheerio back in the ring real quick at, uh, tempting an Oz cutter and just, these guys are just going, um, kind of balls to the wall in the, in the first 30, 30 seconds, a really frantic high pace start, uh, to the matchup there. Um, and then it's a lot of great, uh, grappling and wrestling. And we saw this in the, the Osprey Sabre ma- matches in 2019, where Osprey did more grappling than high flying, and it just really proved to people that he's not just a spot monkey, um, that he's a great wrestler. So there's a lot of great um, wrestling between these guys here. Obviously, Sabre working the submission game here. That was something I heard Dave mention as he was saying how this was unlike any match they've ever had before. And I was like, well, how do you know? They've had, like, a lot of matches. Did you see them all? <laughs> but uh, I was also thinking, like, this wasn't exactly the same story, but or even the exact same style. But we saw a lot of things that they did previously. I don't know. If yeah, you, a like, lot. Of, a lot of the grappling was stuff that we've seen previously. Um, big moment in the match. Um, Osprey kicks up the Zack Driver. You know, Zack Driver was that was a, that was a big deal. That's like his finisher, right? That's his impact finisher, right? And that was a move that they protected um, during when Zack was mainly a singles guy. I don't know that I've seen anybody kick out of it. I mean, I feel like maybe Naito's kicked out of it, but maybe not. I know he's beaten Naito with it. Didn't Okada kick out of it? I don't even know if he was doing it. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Uh, But, I mean, it's a a protected move. Yeah. Uh, And, of course, um, Osprey gets his nose busted open um, at some point during this match. That's the crazy thing. 
I went into I went into this match watching it knowing that there was going to be a nasty nose break and a bloody moment. So I'm waiting all match long. And like every time I see like <laughs> this just shows you how good what, there are certain things that like wrestlers will look out for. And they're like things that I don't think other people like notice, but like I'll look at where wrestlers put their faces now <laughs> <laughs> because it matters a lot where you put your face when you take moves, you know? Right. And so I was thinking like he broke his nose and the other night literally Matt didn't see this match, but Matt was like, we were in class and somebody ran to take a big boot and like, he was like, no, cause like someone almost got their nose busted. And he's like, yo, you can get, get fucked up if you do it wrong. And I was like, that just happened to will. <laughs> so I was like looking out for it the whole match and I never saw there wasn't. Okay. So I, right before the Zach driver, there was a front face bump that will took a little fast. And I think, I, I think maybe I think it, he broke it off the La Mystica. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. I thought maybe that could have been it. But here's the thing. When he came up off of that, no blood at all. Where the blood started was Zach hits him with the Zach driver. He kicks out and there's blood everywhere. And it did. I watched that spot like three times. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, anything can happen. That's what I was mentioning earlier on the show. When you're yeah. wrestling, literally, like it might not have been a huge impact. It might have been like, a stray elbow in the middle of him grabbing his face that you were, you or I might not notice, but it just fucks up the nose. It's possible. But it didn't look like I saw anything in that move from the way he did it that it, it just kind of came from out of nowhere. Yeah, it was he, really surprising. Yeah, because he went to the Zack Driver into the triangle. Yes. Uh, and he was fucking... Myst- and he was, yeah, and he was already, like, leaking everywhere. Right, because the Mystica was before the Zack Driver, and then he had him looking at that double arm bar. Right. And then Osprey got free, and then he hit the Zack driver there. But he, but the thing is, he might have, maybe he did break his nose earlier, and then the blood just didn't start until he went upside down. Mm, yeah. But it's hard to know because, again, you would think if he broke his nose, the blood would have started immediately. Um, Kevin Kelly actually alluded to the match that we set as our recommended match last, or the other week, uh, the one Chris Samsa gave us, where... Uh, he talked about Shinsuke Nakamura beating Fale with a busted open face. Mm. But remember in that match, we could see exactly what, Where, yeah, what Fale headbutted uh, Nakamura down the uh, cross arm breaker. Right. This one, I've watched it a few times now, or at least the spot, and I, I couldn't like ascertain what caused it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, just you know, phenomenal matchup here. Um, coming on uh, towards the end, Sabre, uh, he hits the, the Oz cutter off the top. Uh, he goes for a springboard off cover off the top. Uh, hits a, a rolling elbow and then the stormbreaker to get the win here. He has a new a new name for one of those uh, elbow strikes. What was it? I, I watched this one in Japanese commentary. So gotcha. I watched it with English and um, he he's it's that move that he hit tens on with. Uh, it's not the uh, it, it's like the reverse from behind um, elbow. Right. Yeah. The, the Chris Hero. Behind the elbow, yeah. Yeah, and he did that in this match as well, and it's like, it's called like, I don't know, I guess we'll learn the name soon, but uh, Kevin Kelly like threw it out into the zeitgeist, so I don't know what it was. Gotcha. But it's it's going to be like one of his things going forward. The new, the new setup for the Stormbreaker. A new signature strike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really, 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 really enjoyed this match. Uh, for me, 
this is the best match of the tournament so far. I think it's going to be very hard for most of the pairings that are on paper to outdo this, except for maybe Shingo and Will. Mm-hmm. Um, just really excellent stuff here. I mean, I've seen a lot of people hype it up, you know, talking about, you know, best match of the year that they've seen, best match in, in you know, months and months and months. Um, I don't know if it completely lives up to as high as some of the, the heights that we got early in January, you know, around New Beginning and around, like, uh, Wrestle Kingdom time. It's, it's, it wasn't that long ago. People kind of forgot that stuff happened. <laughs> right. But this was just fucking excellent. I mean, I'm probably somewhere between four and a half, four and three quarters. I went four and three quarters. I'm a coward. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> go the full five. I, I don't think I'd go the full five just because, I don't know, was it sometimes – with with the tournament match, there's not enough build, there's not enough atmosphere, there's not enough. I mean, well, this, definitely not 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 enough atmosphere here. <laughs> yes, yes, but um, the match was just excellent. And w- one of the things I liked was like, oftentimes when you have a, two heels, you'll see one guy playing more of the face, you know, a la AJ Styles against Minoru Suzuki. You know, AJ's a heel, but he's more clearly, or or even Suzuki against Kenny Omega, like they're. Kenny and AJ are more, you know, resigned to being chicken shit, so they're sort of the de facto face, whereas, like, Suzuki's the juggernaut, so he's the heel. I liked this in the sense that neither guy really abandoned their heeldom ways. Right. They kind of just both embraced the fact that they were heels, but it didn't detract from the match because they were both so dynamic, so athletic, and so... um just keyed in like keyed in like dude they were doing sequences that were like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve moves deep mm-hmm. and and there's no spot for them to like call the shit it's all improvised and it's just going 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 they're reading each other and i mean like oh one thing i like is that new japan is now acknowledging that they've had many Matches in the past where Will has won. <laughs> Remember last year they're saying Will never beat him before, right? Um, but you know, good job to to Kevin Kelly and Chris Samsa actually, because Chris is like actually. <laughs> um, but one of the things I liked about the story was Will came in there with the arm injury. They were saying it was like they're saying it's a shoulder injury uh, sustained in his um, uh, no DQ match against uh, Kojima. Right. And in the, I did see the multi-man before uh, Sabre did target his arm a little bit in the multi-man the night before as well. So that kind of gave Zach um, a little bit of a, a, a target. And even though Will wasn't the face, he had a, a, a weakness there. And what I liked about it, I would recommend if you haven't listened to it in English, maybe listen to it in English. Cause it, I thought Kevin Kelly did a fantastic job. And one thing he pointed out was like, Zach was so bloodthirsty for the arm that he was willing to stand in the pocket and trade with Zach. Mm -hmm. And so it would result in these situations where like Zach is getting hurt because his arm is vulnerable. Will. Or I'm sorry, Will, and he's trying to protect it. But Zach is not playing the space game and, you know, all that. And because of that, he's ending up taking all these big shots from yeah. a much bigger Will Ospreay now. And I think we've we've talked about it before in the show. That happens with Zach a lot. Zach will get in there and want to strike with these guys who are 
bigger and better strikers than him. Right. And it, it's, it's his downfall. He always gets knocked down. But this is a, that's true. And I thought of that. But here's where it's a little different. Many times that's a prideful thing. Right. You know, that's a cocky, arrogant thing where he's like, I'm going to fucking stand in front of you because I'm, I'm Zach and I can. And then he can't. This was more like, I'm standing in front of you taking these strikes so I can get that fucking arm. Right. Because if I'm out here, how am I going to get to the arm? Right. And I loved that. And then Will is like desperate because everything he's doing, like everything Zach's doing is working. And Will is like literally trying. Dude, there was one point where I thought that Saber was, was going to beat him. I was thinking, we've, we've seen Zach upset guys right. many and, times. And I was thinking, oh, well, you know, they got, they got some big shows coming up. They have the Red Pro title. You can beat Zach, and you can run it back, and you could have Zach uh, challenge for the Red Pro title on one of these shows. This was just excellent all around. Um, I don't want to – I know we got a long show. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but just this is probably going to be the match of the month. I think it's probably a match of the year contender for this company. If you haven't seen it, high recommendation. Will Ospreay eventually wins with Stormbreaker and it kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. Zach was like alive right until the very, very end. Um, oh, there was one cell where, where Will dropped Zach and Zach is like just corpsing and like he's, his arms are stiff and he's looking up and he's like four, like just gone. And I love that. Like I was like, I'm definitely doing that. shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Will's nose, man, he, it just exploded. He bled everywhere. Um, and then after the match, he's, like, cutting a promo with, you know, a towel over his, mat, or over his face. And I was wondering if, you know, given some of his political inclinations, I don't know if he's been wearing a mask or not. It's like, mm. This is the first time he's wearing, worn a mask. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he cut a promo talking about how, like, this proves undoubtedly he's the greatest British wrestler of all times, mm-hmm. ever, <laughs> of all of them, <laughs> fuck off, Johnny Saint, <laughs> fuck off, Rollerball Rocka, Dynamite Kid, fuck you. It's all about Will motherfucking Osprey, Zach who, William Regal who, <laughs> Nigel <laughs> McGuinness, bitch. <laughs> so this was this was great, man. Really great. Yeah, and so you know, I was very curious to kind of see if you know what. The future of Will's, uh, you know, in this tournament was going to be with the nose and how damaged it was. Right. Um, he did wrestle uh, the next night that we're going to talk about here on March 15th. And I did see some backstage promos. And the whole kind of thing now is that he's talking about, you know, he's getting ready to face Sonata in the next uh, matchup. And he's like, no, Sonata, you are a, a great grappler. There's no reason that you need to punch me in the face. <laughs> we can just have a nice little wrestling match. Oh, and, shit. They're going to work this nose over. Right. And so in the whole tag match, he's like, you know, telling Sonata, you know, please don't please don't work the nose. You know, please don't hit me in the nose. Let's, let's just wrestle. And so he's making a really big deal out of it, which makes me think, I'm sure obviously it's damaged, but I don't think it's as probably as messed up as it, it probably could be because that's, Coming the whole focal point now is match and his promo and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that story plays out when they actually have the singles match. Yeah, um, that will be interesting to see what happens. You know, a lot of people are concerned with this injury as to whether or not Will would be able to continue with a lot of people speculating that he's slotted to go deep. You know, obviously he's going into the third round, so he's not that far away. But, you know, I think some people think, like like me, thought – and still think he's probably winning. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, well, will he even be able to continue? So, right. And that was why I brought up the thing with Matt, because Matt literally said, you know, you got to work for a company. And 
you don't now I'm not saying this is what happened with Will. This is totally different, but he he was like you go to take a move that you should know how to take and then you take it wrong and then you break your fucking nose. He's like the person who's unprofessional isn't the person that gave you the boot or what or the clothesline or whatever the fuck it is. It's you who didn't know how to take it right. Because now your nose busted and now now you can't work the next night. So now that's money out of everybody's pocket on the entire card and the mm. fans. That's your fucking fault. So when he said that, I was like, oh shit. I, and I was like waiting. I was like, I wonder if Will fucked up. Like, is Will <laughs> fucking the company? But, you know, um, I didn't see... My eye's not that trained, but I didn't see anything personally that indicated that. It just, it seems like one of those freak, freak accidents. Freak accidents, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, March 15th here. Show opened up. We had Doki, Despi, and Suzuki defeating Jado, Kenta, and Taiji Shimori. Then we had United Empire defeating Taichi, Kanamaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. Then we had LIJ, Abushi, Sonata, and Shingo defeating Goto, Deguchi, and Yuji Nagata. Then the semi-main event, the matchup for the New Japan Cup, we had David Finley with Juice Robinson defeating Yoshihashi 16 minutes and 12 seconds. So this one is very interesting in that um, when I go to grapple and I look at the score for this match, 3.27. That means they thought, the, the and there were 66 votes. So the 66 people that saw this, the average, you know, aggregate, you know, um, total between them. They thought this was basically a three and three and a quarter star match. I'm much higher on this match than everybody that voted on this. I thought personally that Yoshihashi and Dave Finley went out there with chips on their shoulders to prove that they fucking both, they were both on that doki shit. I ain't going back. <laughs> and they went out there and they tore the fucking house down. Now, the crowd didn't react like they tore the house down. <laughs> but I'm telling you, they were a little bit more spirited when they clapped. <laughs> um, dude, the, the chain wrestling at the beginning of this match was excellent. The story that they told was excellent. Um, the back and forths, the close calls, um, many, many close submission spots. Seemed like Yoshihashi had Dave Finley's number. Dave Finley kept kept going for the acid drop, kept not getting it. I also mm. thought Juice did a really good job as a second on the outside. We don't yeah. see him as a second very often. And I kind of thought he was compelling and, and um, interesting. And then um, at the end, there are many times where like Dave Finley dropped Yoshihashi with big, you know, some of his big signatures, and it looked like Yoshihashi was done. And then Yoshihashi kicked out of those, but he was not able to kick out of a third and final attempt a successful attempt at that at an acid drop, which got Yoshihashi the fuck out of here. Uh, this is a victory lap for you and me because we are probably some of the only people that actually thought that Dave Finley was going this far, this far. Mm -hmm. But I think the reason why is because we both know the storied history of him and Jay White. Right. As soon as I saw that, I was like, Oh, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Knowing Jay White was going in, in, and there wasn't a sexy opponent for him. The only kind of logical opponent that makes sense is Dave Finley, given their history. And they're definitely playing into that heavy given the post match, uh, promos between both Dave Finley and, and, uh, um, Jay White. But you know, a lot of people are kind of seeing the rise of Yoshihashi and, I think like uh, the stats they gave, like seventy or eighty percent of people 
thought Yoshihashi was winning. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, three and three and a quarter. That's kind of disrespectful for this match. Um, I'm probably like three and three quarters. Uh, I don't know. I could go the full four, but I thought that this really. I'm guessing the reason that it was rated so low is a. A lot of people thought Yoshihashi was going to win, <laughs> and they were disappointed when Dave Finley won. And B, neither of these guys are seen as like top line guys, and so sometimes top non top line guys get non top line ratings, yeah. ratings because there's not as much investment. And you know, regardless of who wins, they got to go up against probably Jay White. So right, but I I I really enjoyed this match. Like yeah. I was surprised at how good this was. I was in a, in a three and a half range. I I did th- thought that both guys worked really hard. I mean, we were. Talked about how you know Yoshihashi since winning the, the never six man title is you know, really just step his game up and you know Dave Finley kind of you know coming back here in, in New Japan you know he's been mainly on strong and he's been hurt um, kind of coming back and so this tournament's been a real sh- um, you know time for him to shine here especially in the singles role because um, we normally we see him teaming up with Juice and so I thought both guys made the most out of the opportunity like you mentioned it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a scrap here. And both of these guys, I felt like they, like you mentioned, they kind of had a chip on their shoulders going out here, worked really hard, and, and had a very good match here. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. Very impressed with both guys. Um, we had a question from Muzza. Uh, he asked, with how impressive Dave Finley has been for me and how much he has improved, could you see him being in a G1? Comparing to last year's block, I would take him over Yujiro for certain. Well, I definitely agree with you there, Mother. I, I would take uh, David Finley over Yujiro as well. Um, we should play a game where we go through the entire per- <laughs> personnel roster list and ask, you know, Yujiro or, and see what happens. Right. You know, Yujiro uh, or retired Liger. <laughs> <laughs> retired Liger. <laughs> take fucking retired Liger. Yujiro uh, or Milano Collection 18. I'm thinking Milano. <laughs> Yujiro uh, or Mihoabe. <laughs> fucking take Mihoabe. Um, but whether or not Dave Finley gets in a G1, um, I, mean, I think it just all depends on who they have to choose from. You know, are they going to get some big guys in, in this year? Um, he He's a guy that always kind of makes a cut and block, doesn't quite make the cut. I, I don't know. I don't think he's ever been close to being considered. I think that he will, if you want my honest opinion, the like, I'm not saying it's impossible, but the likelihood, this reminds me of when Tai Chi was starting to kind of gear up a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and then he didn't make it. Right. It was like, what was that, 2018? Yeah, probably. And people, yeah, that's, it was 2018. And people were pissed because they were like, what the fuck, you know? Mm-hmm. But then the next year, it was undoubted. Like, you couldn't, like... And then he had a terrible record. <laughs> yeah. And then the next year he went in and he had a pretty good record. And now he's kind of seen as, like, an upper guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how this company works. Uh, you know, Dave Finley came back from that injury, that long layoff. And after, like, returning, we thought that he was, like, poised for a big, you know, comeback. And then he kind of got jobbed out by Archer Archer almost immediately. And then was sort of relegated to the tag team ranks after that. And then COVID-19 happened during that time. He has worked extensively on not only expanding his wrestling skills and his wrestling moveset, but also 
improving his physique and his conditioning, and it's really showing. And he's also showing a lot more fire uh, in his, his matches promos and on great. his promos. Yeah. So uh, I think that that stuff really is starting to come through to management, which is great. And I hope it even, like, inspires some more from Juice because, like, the Juice we're getting now, I-, I think since Juice lost to Mox at Super Juniors, he's never been the same. Mm-hmm. And I would like to, for him to go back to that period, you know? Right. And I'm glad you mentioned Finley improving on his wrestling because one thing he's been u- using in a lot of his matches lately is a uh, Gramby roll. Um, which is a move that's used a lot in amateur wrestling, which I love. It's a great roll-up, and he's been using that a lot. What is it? The Granby roll. Um, it's that it's the roll where you grab the guy and you roll through with them? Yeah. I do that. Yeah, it's dope. I didn't know that was, like, a real, like, legit amateur thing. We do it. Well, you know, Matt, we do it in class all the time. I, yeah. I just thought that was a pro wrestling thing. No, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to do depending on who you're wrestling, and so, yeah, it's well, it's not hard when the guy's feeding for it. Exactly. <laughs> it's hard when the guy's not feeding for it. <laughs> when it's a shoot. <laughs> like, bro, I'm trying to do this cool Grammy roll. Come on, go with me. <laughs> That's uh, fucking funny. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Come digging Come on, bro, sell for me, brother. <laughs> Come on, work with me. Brother, brother. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's funny. But, yeah, Dave Finley, man, Um, I, I think that they really started to kind of uh, give him this little push starting with last year's New Japan Cup USA. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see that kind of cultivate here. Um, I don't know how, but the thing is, the I don't, I don't want to say it holds him back, but like he's a tag team guy at the right. same time. So that's, that's the one thing he's kind of like in between those two worlds. So, yeah. Uh, main event here of this show, uh, the conclusion of the second round. We had Switchblade Jay White defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 19 minutes and 54 seconds. Uh, a lot of this build to this matchup had to do with uh, both men's physiques uh, throughout the multi-mans. And Bro, what the fuck's going on with Hiroshi Tanahashi? I don't know. Jay, you know, was making fun of, you know, the little bit of extra, you know, uh, belly fat there that Tanahashi had around around the mid midsection there, and was kind of puffing his stomach out to make fun of Tanahashi. I get concerned because like Tanahashi will be like, you know, looking terrible right at one point, and then three weeks later he's just fucking shredded, and I and I'm like always thinking like, man, he's really putting in like work, getting himself ready, but now I'm starting to think like, what if this man's just like. Draining himself and like taking diet pills and shit, like so, binge, like yeah. yeah, so he can like get rid of the fat and then just be cut up and then afterwards just fucking like eat sushi <laughs> and you know whatever. Like I don't know what they eat over there, but uh, just like kills it because like he looked pretty good a few weeks ago against Okan, right? And he looked pretty good, you know, a few weeks ago against Shingo, and then he came into this match and he's like not looking so good. I don't know, man. Um, it's just weird. Like, I, I guess it's harder at that age to like, he still looks good. But right. But then I'll see next to Jay. Who's like absolutely shredded. Bro. Shit. Like Jay's what I aspire to be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to wanna be fucking Jay white. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Jay's been, uh, yeah. Fat shaming the ace here. Um, making, you know, Tana feel bad about his little, a little bit extra. <laughs> well, the great thing was at the beginning of the match and, um, leading into the match, he kept telling Tanahashi, like, listen, if you lay down for me, that will make it easier for me to win the tournament. And then that way, when I win, I'll split these two titles up and preserve your legacy as well as my legacy. Right. I'll be doing you a favor. So then the match started and he like kind of made his plea to Tanahashi and Tanahashi laid down and Kevin Kelly was just like, 
I, I never in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> and um and then like, you know, Gato's like, don't trust him, don't trust him. He's like, he's like, no, it makes sense. He's like, it's his legacy too. Of course he's gonna do it. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, roll up. <laughs> right. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Got him. Oh man. So yeah, started off with with there. Um and yeah, you know, overall, this this wasn't the best Jay. Uh, Tana match. Oh, uh, um, let's let's make a correction there. I'm pretty sure this is the worst Tanahashi J White match. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Worse than the uh, Russell Kingdom twelve. It's worse than yeah. It's worse than the first match they ever had against one another, which is, you know, not a bad match at all. But mm-hmm. you know, widely regarded prior to this as being like probably the worst match between them. So I can't imagine. Any other match being this low caliber between them. Um, I mean, what did you think of the match overall? Overall, I, I think I think I went like three and three quarters on it. Uh, I thought it started it started off slow, but and then towards the end it really picked up. Um, I thought Jay did a great job of getting heat on Tanahashi. There was one point where he went outside and beat up um, Suji um, because of him being you know Tanahashi's young boy. Uh, you know, locking in the Cobra Tris, grabbing the belly fat, and just really kind of cutting Tanahashi off and uh, getting some heat on him. And then, you know, Tanahashi fighting back with the sling blades, uh, the flatliner and stuff like that. Um, Jay hitting his, um, you know, the elevated German Kiwi Crusher. Yeah, I thought it ended up being like a, de- a pretty decent main event here. Um, but with a caliber of a Tanahashi and a Jay White, you would expect a little bit higher. Yeah. Especially for a main event. You know, to speak to that question from earlier, they did have a singles match at the 2019 Super Juniors. It was the third from the top, and it was like one of their best matches ever. Mm. So, And I forgot about it, but now that I'm looking at the thing, I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at cage match. This has got six. This one's rated 6.56. The WrestleMania or <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom 12 match is 6.5. Two, mm. so it's it's not far off. It's right in that same, and everything else they've done is like you know generally rated eight, close to eight or or above that. Um, I thought there was some okay stuff here. I mean, these two guys are both professionals, and they know what they're doing, and they can go out there and kind of sleepwalk their way to a good match. And so it wasn't bad; it was good. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same stories that I've seen between them, working of the legs, a lot of dragon screw counters, things like that. Um, but it was sort of just paint by numbers. I mean, I, there, I don't, there, there wasn't a moment that really sticks out to me in this match. Um, th- th- they seem to be wrestling at like a degree slower than they typically do. Mm-hmm. They were really paced slower, both guys. Um, I, I don't want to. You know, I love Tanahashi. That's my guy. But this just didn't really feel like he was firing on all cylinders. I don't know if maybe he's potentially banged up, possibly, from that, like, Shingo match a couple could, months could back. Could be a, a lack of crowd energy, too. That could be part of it. I, I don't know what the deal was here, but this this just didn't really seem to work for me. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I like Dave Finley and Yoshihashi match better than this match. Mm. So that kind of tells you where I'm at with this one. Yeah. But um, ultimately... We've seen the story where Jay White is able to counter attack and counter move almost anybody else in the wrestling industry. He's the best counter wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
and he was able. What was it that he countered uh, Tanahashi? It was I think Tanahashi was going for a uh, another. He's going for a dragon screw. Yeah, that, that's the word I was looking for. He's going for a dragon screw. Dragon screw. He countered it, brought him up, hit him with the sling blade, and blade runner. God, it's always like, I don't know if it's Switchblade, Sling Blade, or Blade Runner. I always, I mix those three up. Like, yeah, hits him with the Blade Runner, one, two, three. And then um, afterwards, like, Jay made the Young Lions carry him out, meaning himself, Jay White. Like, yeah. he made them literally carry him. So, uh, yeah, um, he beats Tanahashi, moves on. I think this was kind of expected, just given the brackets, but... uh you know, uh, I don't. I don't know. I was, a, I was a little disappointed. I wanted more out of this match. Yeah. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, now he's calling himself the the Jace. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice. I listened like... I was kind of busy. I was like, cause I was cramming um, some of these last few matches before we recorded. I didn't, I heard some of the promo, but I didn't, uh, I didn't know he's called something. The Jace. That's funny. Uh, so now we go out to the last night here that we'll be covering uh, today's show, March 16th, where we had uh, the first two quarterfinal matches, but the undercard opened up. We had Tenkoji teaming up with Nagata to defeat Gabriel Kidd, Yodosuji, and Yuyamura. Then we had, the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Jay White defeating Finjuice and Toa Hanare. Then we had the United Empire of Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay defeating Bushi and Sonata. And then in the semi-main event, we had the first quarterfinal match. We had Evil defeating Toriano at 7 minutes and 54 seconds. Now, here's the funny thing. Uh, I was making dinner this evening for myself and... I like I said I was cramming these shows so I'm on my phone and I'm watching this match and you know it is evil we've talked about all the evil shenanigans we talked about the the togoisms the evilisms and then obviously you got Yano on the other side and um so you know what to expect uh and I mean I think they were in the same block in the G1 and it, there was you know that kind of sucked too right so that being the case I'm watching the match and on the Yano scale of, you know, inoffensive Yano matches, this was fine, right? I'm watching it, and I'm like, I heard, I mean, I saw the ratings, and it was like, it had like a two-something on cage match and like a, a one-star on grapple, and I was like, holy shit. Like, this is going to be horrible. But then they're going out there, and they're just, 
They're doing the Yano shtick, you know, the funny stuff, you know, Yano's chants, Yano's dodging him, slapping him in the head, you know, get, Dick Togo's getting involved, they're undoing turnbuckles. And I'm like, it's the same shit he always does. And I was like, here's my thing with it. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, okay, if you don't like Yano's stuff, then sure, go ahead and rate this bad. But like, I was like, Yano doesn't ever get these low of ratings. So what the fuck's going on? I was like, maybe people are just done with evil. But I was like, the, the ratings don't seem to line up with that. So I'm like kind of complaining to you, and you're like, oh, you haven't seen the finish yet. <laughs> and I was like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like cooking, and then like all of a sudden, the lights just fucking go out. Well, well first, Yano, he gets the hole of the garrote, and he chokes out evil with the garrote and throws him under the ring to get the count out, thinking he's going to get a count out victory. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was trying to remember, like, what led up to it. Right, so it's like, 17, 18, and the lights go out. Yeah, the lights go out, and they're not even out that long. I would say maybe four seconds. It, it's enough to be substantial, but not enough to be really substantial. So they, they're out. Then they come on, and Evil's just completely fresh as a daisy, standing there right in front of Yano. Yano's shocked. And then he just fucking STOs him, hits him with the, what, everything's Everything evil, evil, and pins him one, two, three. And I'm like, what the fuck kind of sense does that? This is some, this is fiend bullshit. Yes. But on a lower scale and budget, like, thank God evil doesn't come out with those finger things anymore <laughs> or, or a scythe. But like, God, this sucked. Yeah, when did evil all of a sudden get the powers to uh, control the lights now? Bro, he's, well, he's always, no, bro, this go, this is lore. Mm, okay. The lore. This is the lore. The lore of evil. I can't <laughs> wait for the five minute, the five hour YouTube videos explaining the lore of evil and how he got his powers. I can't wait. Someone's going to write a think piece about evil. Yes, I can't wait to read uh. all the columns that explain the lore and how you know, if we, we should have seen this coming when he was hey, Watanabe in Ring of Honor. I didn't, um, I, I know that the New Japan year-end book is, like, a really great resource and stuff, but I've never actually, like, read one. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I understand, this year a lot of people wrote, not everybody, but there was quite a few positive, like, articles about evil because mm -hmm. so much of the year, like, centered around him. I really think that shit's going to age poorly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the shit that's going to like age real poorly because they keep doing shit like this, you know? Um, anyways, with that being said, like, bro, it didn't make, well, okay. So, oh yeah. Back to the lore. Remember when he used to come out for his entrance, what would happen? Hands go up, lights go down. He still got those fucking abilities. Mm. Okay. Just like every now and again, so why did he wait until a quarterfinal match with Yano to use these powers? Why didn't he use these powers to win the double titles? Because he's got a groat wire and he's got Togo. He doesn't need to resort to this shit. Mm. But, you know, he got bested. Um, every now and again, you know, badass taker would have to go old school on your ass. You know, and he would maybe every once in a while bust out a little, a little... Mumbo jumbo, a little gimmick, a little gimmickry. So that's kind of that's all Evil did here. It's fine, um, but for real, this was like some fiend shit. Like, I think what made it really bad was he was completely choked out, and then in a matter of seconds, 
That's not, fine. Not only does why why would that interrupt? Like, how would that not? Uh, I don't know. I'm applying too much logic. Right. Because obviously it, it's bullshit. Right. The ref should have kept counting. No. Why would no? The ref can't count. Right. The ref is unable to count because he can't see see. Yeah. But then maybe that should cause a no contest. So neither guy goes through. So then at that point, who's the other guy in the bracket against them? Uh, Shingo. The, the winner of Shingo Kenta. Shingo Kenta winner gets an automatic bye to the finals. You know? Yeah. But um, what I really didn't like was Evil just as fresh as a fucking daisy. No after effect sell from the groat wire. Right. I, I don't know. This shit sucked. I, the only thing I was glad about is that it at least it didn't go 13 minutes like uh, Okan. Also, is Okan going to, like, get more weave in his hair? Oh, yeah. We forgot to mention that. So, you know, the night after cutting his braid, he comes out and his, his freaking weave is, like, untied and full, fully lengthed out and, like, looking like a wild man. So he looks like me now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but I actually like the look, though. But it was kind of weird that he his hair like magically grew more after him cutting it the night before. He got extensions. <laughs> uh, but this sucks. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, gave it, it gave sucks. it a smooth a one and a half. Um, I would go. Yeah, I guess you could. I could go even. I could go dud on this. Shit. I could go negative. It yeah. was fucking bad. Uh, we got a question here from King DW five ten. Is it time to send Evil and Dick to Impact? So they can let Togoism run wild over there. Maybe they can recreate the choppy, the PP scene with Tommy Dreamer or something. Those Impact fans would probably love it. Uh, if, if you do love Impact, make sure you check out 8-Bit Suplex here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yeah, what the fuck? Why are you burying the Impact fans? I mean, <laughs> just because Impact sucks doesn't mean you got to bury the fans. <laughs> I hate Impact. Uh you know what's funny is, like, I didn't always hate Impact. I mean, even, like, in the modern past, I didn't dislike them. Doing the Hogan-Bischoff uh, era? Uh, like, as late as, like, I was still watching Impact, uh, not regularly, but, like, pretty consistently. Uh, I shouldn't say consistently. Semi-regularly around, like, 2016, 2017-ish. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Probably around like when Matt Hardy was still there, but you know when when Bobby Lashley and the Wolves and all that right, shit was going yeah. on. But yeah, but to answer uh, King DW's question here, I'd be totally fine with Evil and Dick Togo going to Impact because I don't watch Impact regularly. No, that would be embarrassing. <laughs> that would be embarrassing for them to send as the representative <laughs> of Antonio Inoki's <laughs> sport of pro wrestling, New Japan. <laughs> Hey, they shoot people on Impact, man. This, this evil would fit right in. I don't really know what goes on on Impact. Well, we were talking about something that went down uh, this past weekend in the news. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, let's talk about this main event. <laughs> yeah. Close this shit out. So um, the, the fifth match of the night, main event, uh, saw Shingo Takagi defeating Kenta. First time match ever, 23 minutes 47 seconds. Now I got to tell you, Jeremy, I kind of paid attention to this match, but like, I feel like 
you remember last week? I was like kind of down on Sonata and Ishii, and everyone else seemed to be high on it. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened to me here with Shingo and Kenta. Like, I'm not the highest on this shit, and everyone seems to be around four four stars ish. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I'm just like getting so tired at the end of these like sessions where I'm trying to cram everything. <laughs> yeah, that I'm like just like fatigued from all the wrestling viewing. Um, I, I'm going to leave this one to you. I watched it, but like, I don't know even, I mean, they were fighting, there was a lot of strikes and then Shingo hit him with the, you know, last of the dragon and one. And like, that was about all I really remember. Yeah. The the key here. Uh, so getting part of the match, um, Kenta does the same thing he did to juice Robinson where he pulls the ring bell, um, from the the ring, the timekeeper hits Shingo with the bell. Remember that, yes. Yeah, so then and then from there, Shingo's kind of on the, the down end of the match, kind of selling as Kenta kind of works over uh, the head there, side headlock, and then uh, it's kind of a back and forth from there. A lot of, you know, big heavy strikes. Uh, there was a big strike exchange with Kenta with the slaps, and Shingo was killing Kenta with lariats in this match. There was like two or three lariats where he just, cr- it, it sounded off so great. He just grilled oh, Kenta there with was, them. There was one pumping bomber where he fucking killed Kenta. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the last one. It was one. like right at the end of the match. Yeah, the, the, the last pumping bomber was. It was, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, Kenta, also the game plan off hitting with the head was working over uh, working over the head, he hit the the green killer draping DDT. Um, he had him in the game over submission hold. Um, got near submission off of that. Um, several attempts of the GTS. Obviously, it was kind of Shingo kind of fighting from underneath, which I think Shingo does really well in that role and, and fighting from from underneath. You know, he's he's very good at it. Yeah, I he, think the first time in New Japan we really saw it was against Kanemaru in that Super Junior. Yeah, where he came with his knee 19. hurt. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, normally we see him in kind of that juggernaut role, kind of just steamrolling people. But uh, when he has to sell, he does a great job of it. And he, he does a great job of selling and fighting from underneath, getting the crowd uh, behind him, you know, getting great near falls that made in Japan. Um, I You know, I love his uh, one-two elbow combos. He was killing uh, Kenta with those as well. Kenta had a great tiger suplex at one point in the match. Um Psycho knee for a near fall. Um, then it came down to that last pumping bomber where he killed Kenta, got him up for last of the dragon. One, two, three. Uh, Shingo advanced. I, I love the match. I thought I, I love seeing Shingo kind of be that kind of resilient fight from underneath character. Uh, it was very hard hitting. Uh, great psychology. I was in that kind of four star range as well. Yeah, as you <laughs> kind of gave the recollection of everything, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that now. Um, yeah, it was a good match. I might go back and recheck it out later, but uh, then, uh, I'd like to see them wrestle again. Yeah, definitely. Um, after the match, uh, Shingo's cutting the promo. Evil comes out. Uh, I missed this. I I, I, I like literally turned it off <laughs> after it was over. Yeah, Evil and Dictogo come out. They jump Shingo, lay him out with the magic killer. You know why I turned it off is because they're going to speak in Japanese and there's no translation. Right, yeah. So I'd rather wait for the... Um, Translation to come the out. Translation video to come out, so I can actually understand. So that's why I did that. But I didn't realize there was a post match attack. That makes sense. Yeah. So this week coming up, um, we are three shows away from the end of this year's New Japan Cup Finals um, on Thursday, March eighteenth, five thirty a.m. Eastern Time on New Japan World. We have Jay White taking on David Finley 
This is a long-standing feud between these two going back to their young line they, days. They are 12-1. and one. Jay has beaten him 12 times. Finley has beaten him only once. He won the first match Very between first, them. Yep. Um, it was funny, though, on the uh, post-match promo that Jay White cut, he said that he's undefeated against Dave Finley, <laughs> and it's a streak that will live on forever. Right, he's like, I don't count the first one. Like, <laughs> you won the first one, but then I won 12. Like This streak is a very impressive streak. <laughs> <laughs> um so it would be really crazy if Dave Finley beat him finally. <laughs> but there's a story there. Uh, their matches um, kind of slept on. They're always very good. Yeah. Uh, when we had Sonal Ladd here on the show a uh, few like months back, she actually mentioned how much she enjoyed the Dave, uh, Dave Finley-Jay White feud, uh, which kind of like won her cool points with us because we've been high on this feud <laughs> yeah. for a while. Um, do you want to do predictions on this shit? Yeah. So We're here. Yeah. So this is the the last half of the quarterfinals here. So, I mean, I had White and Finley going into this part of the bracket. I think you did too, right? Yes. Okay. So so we're we're right in line here. So I think we both. I mean, I don't know. I've got Jay White going through. Yeah, I got Jay White going through as well. I, you know, it would be a big upset for Finley. Kind of a cool moment after such a long streak of losing to Jay. But I think where they're at right now, and I, I just think it makes more sense for Jay to go through to the, to the Final Four. Hey, last year, we never saw the evil turn coming. I'm not saying there's going to be a turn, but that, that was a story aspect that we just did not see on the horizon. Who knows what they got in store for Dave Finley? Maybe this is the start of something bigger. Um, maybe someone else is going to get involved. But, uh, you know, if it's just straight one-on-one based on the current standings in the company... And based on the fact that the winner is going to fight Osprey or Sonata, I mean, the only logical drawing, you know, outcome that makes sense is Jay White winning this one. Right. And then the other quarterfinal match that will happen on Thursday, March 18th, is Will Osprey versus Sonata. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of emphasis here on Osprey's nose and Osprey kind of begging off and asking Sonata to, to wrestle like gentlemen and not to. You know, hurt his in his face anymore. Um, so that's also going to be a big part of the match here. Uh, Sonata, we've, we talked about before, kind of this this history of going far in the New Japan Cup every year and getting kind of further and further. Um, I I have not wanted to make that a talking point at all because uh, I feel like they played out that story already when he made it to the finals against Okada and then lost. And so my line of thinking is like he's fucking done you know right i'm just saying like he has great tournament experience um is he not the most winningest person in the history of the new japan cup probably i think they said i think that's something that kevin kelly said yeah uh which doesn't surprise me yeah so you can't really count him out but i'm i have osprey winning here and to get a an osprey jay white uh semifinal. Did you have Osprey and Sonata going into this part? I did, yeah. So you had that sec- my, my right side of the bracket. I, I did pretty good. Is on point. Yes. Yeah. Same. Same here. I had Osprey and Sonata. Uh, my whole thinking is I've I've been booking it so that Osprey is going all the way through, and taking a look at the guys that he beat back to back. They're all people that matter quite a bit to the recent history of the New Japan Cup, and they're all really successful New Japan Cup performers or winners. So, you know, um, Sonata, and then prior to that, uh, Zack Sabre. 
And then if he were to beat Jay White, I mean that's a, that's quite. I mean that's a huge you know lineup of guys. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've got Osprey winning. Uh, that's going to bring us to Jay White and Osprey on the finals on Sun or um, semifinals on, on Saturday. Saturday, I guess we can kind of just roll into that, huh? Yeah. So then on, on Saturday, March twentieth, four a.m. Eastern to semifinals, it will be Evil versus Shingo. Well, before we talk about that, I think we should just talk continue talking about what we're. We're discussing there, so I mean, it's gonna be the winner of White and Finley versus the winner of Osprey Sonata, right? So we pretty much both think it's gonna be Jay White and Will Osprey, right? There's been kind of a professional rivalry between these two going back for a while now. Um, the most two recent matches that I can re- recollect, they were in the G1 this past year, and I, I believe Will beat what, him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jay was sort of on a roll. Will beat him. That was sort of an upset. And then prior to that, they wrestled at the anniversary show the year prior. Right. When Will was the never champion, and he lost to Jay White. Both those matches were pretty outstanding and a little underrated in both years that they occurred. Right. They also have the Ring of Honor match where Jay oh, was on right. excursion and they tore the house down in that match. That That's a totally different style match than these ones. Yes, right. they've kind of got like a low-key banger trilogy that like a lot of people either haven't seen or didn't pay attention to or didn't give it the full credit that it's deserving. So, I mean, um, them ending up in the semifinals, uh, that'd be a big, big deal um, and could be a really great match. Yeah, and we've seen you know the heel versus heel thing can work. We saw that with Osprey and Saber. So I don't think there'll be any issue with both men being heels working this match. Now, hypothetically, let's talk about other scenarios. Jay White wins, and Sonata gets through. That is a possibility, right? If you wanted to have a babyface heel that dynamic there, and that definitely works. And in that case, I would pretty much have Jay white go through unless they're doing something outside of left field that we don't see coming like sort of like the evil thing last year. But let me ask you if Finley wins, what do you do? If Finley wins and I would go for Osprey win, um, just to kind that of makes ha- sense. I don't think Finley Sonata makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, I do Finley Osprey and then you have Osprey beat Finley to get to the finals. I mean, again, it's sort of the same thing we said last week. Like, Finley's not going to win, but, like, we said the same thing about Tohanari. It was sort of like, if Tohanari beat Jay White, pretty much needs to go all the way through. Right. Um, I would almost feel the same way about Finley. If Finley beat Jay White for some reason, uh, you might as well just, like... <laughs> strap him up. Strap him <laughs> up, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Jay White versus Osprey makes the most sense. The only thing that's a little surprising, sometimes with these New Japan Cups, we don't get... Like the the big semifinals, like you would normally book it out for, like say a G one or some other tournament. But this one kind of seems like they're going with big names. Yeah. One concern though with White Osprey, that's heel versus heel. Like you mentioned, it works. But then Evil Shingo is a heel versus face. So you got three heels and the one face in Shingo. Um, and I mean, I guess that works, but I don't know. It's a little interesting. Yeah, well, I think that, that could help put the spotlight on Shingo. If that's what they're doing, if yeah. if they're truly going with Shingo, but then that kind of hurts my bracket, so I... <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, yeah, so Shingo, he, he's facing Evil on Saturday in the other semifinal on the left side of the bracket. I wonder who Samsa fucking has going and uh, winning. 
Um, I, I hope I hope whoever I hope he has a perfect bracket, and then whoever he uh, books to win <laughs> fucking loses. I think if I remember correctly, he said he had Osprey winning. I think I don't. I have to double check. See, the problem is, is I got Osprey winning too. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Evil and Shingo, also kind of a history here with you know, also both men. Being an LIJ at one point used to be. I forgot that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I literally like you were like they have they have a history and I was like what history and then and then you said it I was like oh that's right they were in, they and, were in and they LIJ had that, that banger New Year's dash where they teamed together to take on Ishii and Goto yeah things that could have been they would have been an awesome tag team if they'd stayed like kept tagging together right. Um, so you know, we haven't really seen Shingo versus Evil during that whole kind of turn. So this is kind of like the first, you know, crack for Shingo here to get some revenge on Evil from turning on Lij. Everybody else has had a crack at Evil. I I feel like Bushi might have even had a match. I, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But everyone, all everyone else that matters except for Bushi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, um, so are we getting? I mean, we're not that far off from Evil Jay White. Oh boy, bro! There's people that want it, and there's people that have been calling for it, and like we're not that far off. It could happen. It could happen. It shouldn't happen. That that would be a horrible call. Well, let me ask you this: Do you feel like New Japan sort of dropping the ball with that? Because think about it. Back at the G1, it was like this huge focal point for both guys, and they were talking about it so extensively during all the backstage promos. But since the G1 ended. And since the beginning of the quasi double night gold dash, whatever it ended up being, we haven't heard shit about evil and Jay White. Do you think it's something they're keeping on the back burner? Because to me, it doesn't seem like that. It feels yeah. like something that they have completely they dropped the ball dropped. on it, and I don't mind if they don't ever pick it back up. <laughs> oh well, from a from a creative standpoint or like my personal stance, I'm not like, oh, I really wanted to see that. But it was also something that people seem to really be into. Right. And from a marketing standpoint, it feels like they, they left a lot of money on the table. Right. I think what happened was they were like, how do we book it? What do we Remember do? last time we tried a Bullet Club Civil War? That didn't work out so well. Let's, let's not do it. <laughs> I, I feel like they're like sort of like thinking like, uh, what, who wins? Right. Where do we go? What happens? You know? So and maybe some of what you're saying. So someone in the room's like, "Let's do this Bull Club Wolf Pack." Maybe gonna, <laughs> maybe that is what's happening here. I don't think so. Um, it seems like for me, Evil is of of like. I mean, I think Shingo's beaten Evil. Yeah. So I think that's why Evil kind of came through. I think it tells a little bit of a good story, like you mentioned. Evil turned on Lij to kind of cement his place in this tournament. Last year, he's, he came into this year's tournament as the returning winner. And now you got Shingo, who's sort of like the last man to join LIJ. And now he's the defender in this situation. I mean, they, they didn't build it this way, but that's where we're at. You know, just right. give, given the circumstances, like he's not only trying to punch his ticket, but also he's going to maybe try to exact a little bit of revenge for his comrades. And um, I think he will get that revenge. Uh, I I think it would be terrible for them to have Evil go through to another final. If they do that, then I don't know. Osprey is the only guy that really makes sense to me, unless right. P 
people, yeah. people want that all Bullet Club final. I don't know. Yeah, I think Shingo's going through, and I think you can you can tease it out a lot with Evil doing a lot of cheating and a lot of great near falls um, to try and beat Shingo. I think not will, not great cheating, bad cheating, bad yeah. shitty cheating. <laughs> uh, but I think we will see. Um, I think we'll see like an Lij interference. I think like Bushi or somebody will come out to help Shingo like fight off Dick Togo. Is that what Bushi does? Bushi's one role in the the one. Role that he has in this group is he's the guy that when shit hits the fan, <laughs> he's gonna come out and help, right? And and make a save, um, or lend a assisting hand. Gotta get that TV time when you can, brother. <laughs> um, Jay White and Will Osprey. I feel like that's the the match that's the hardest to call. Most people were sort of banking on a Shingo Osprey final, and that I mean that one makes a lot of sense. For the same reasons why Shingo and Will Ospreay made sense for best super juniors in 2019. Mm -hmm. And also why that match ruled last year in the G1. Um, It was possibly the best match of the G1, or at least in my opinion it was. But um, that might be too on the nose. Like, Jay White? I mean, I could see them doing Shingo Jay White. I could, yeah. The one reason I was sort of hesitant to them doing it was because... Jay and, and Shingo have wrestled one another in the G1 the last two years, right? Mm, yeah. Um, so it sort of feels like, well, they, they kind of gave us those matches back-to-back, and now they're going to give it to us a third time. At the same time, I'm pretty sure Shingo's never beaten Jay White. I know he definitely lost last year. No, no, no. I'm I'm telling you. Like, I, I know I said I'm pretty sure, but when I say I'm pretty <laughs> sure, I mean, like, I'm 100% dead, dead. Like, without looking at my phone, I know he did. Like, he's never beaten Jay White. Yeah. So, there is a story to tell. I just, I don't know if I have it in me to watch another long-ass Jay White. I like Jay White, and I, I, I know I praised the Bushi match and everything, and I did love that. But, like, I don't know if I want to watch Jay White in the finals of a New Japan Cup this year. Especially in a clap crowd. Yeah. Where you, you can't have fans, like, booing him. Well, yeah, and then it's like Shingo had to go through Evil, and then he had to go through Jay White. Like... I don't know. And also, Jay White, if, if Jay White's in the finals, like, he might win. Right. Uh, it is sort of that argument that people make when they talk about, like, well, Jay's never won a G1 or Jay's never won a New Japan Cup. And those are accolades he's probably going to win at some point. And I know a lot of people are like, it's, <laughs> they're like, it's, uh, you know, it's Osprey's time. It's Shingo's time. It's like, nah. Hold this L. Right, especially with the way... It's my era, baby. He's been building up this whole, you know, wanting to split the belt, keep the belt split. Well, that's the one... Actually, you know what? That's the one thing that makes me think they're not going to go with him because that's just a rehash and a different version of the Naito story from February. Right. I don't want to see another... Well, I'm trying to prevent him from unifying the titles. Well... They're going to go into the match, and the titles are already going to be unified. So that makes no sense. He, he wants to de-unify them. What's going to be that? Okay, let's assume he wins it, right? And let's assume that the IWGP, quote-unquote, acquiesces to his request. What will those lineages look like? Will, will it be like, will they just funnel together and then unfunnel? Or will it like, or will they just both stay straight 
And then there'll be an asterisk that was like, for one match. <laughs> <laughs> one match. Ibushi had a dumb idea and unified the titles. He had a, he had a double. He, he was the world title, and then it became not the world title. Like, it doesn't make. That just sucks. Yeah. Um, I would just, in my opinion, I would just much rather see the ascent of either Shingo or Osprey. My one caveat with that is this. If Jay White wins, I think he could beat Ibushi. If Osprey wins, I think he could beat Ibushi. If Shingo wins, he's not beating Ibushi for the titles. Mm. At least not in April at Sakura Genesis. Right. Um, so I mean, that's that's. I don't, the I don't think Ibushi is losing no matter who comes out of this thing. I could see it. Why? Why not? He's held it since January or since before then, right? No, since January. Won, yeah, he won in January. It's a pretty long first reign, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. Well, not a lot of guys get to hold it this long in their first reign. I mean, he might be dropping the title soon, especially given how many, like, high-profile headlining matches they've had him in. I yeah. could see him. I think that they, if you want my opinion, I know it's a little early. I think they're prepping him to drop the belt soon. Mm. I, I and, and this is not new news. I have been saying this since, like, early February, late January. Yeah. So... But I think if he beats Shingo, he's gonna retain the titles. But I mean, is there is okay? I guess the question here. One thing maybe this will help us, but with our booking, and we can come to a final answer on this New Japan Cup issue. We got two. We we've got uh, two stadium shows as well as Sakura Genesis coming up. You also have Don Taku and Hinokuni. That's oh, that's the other one I think of Don Taku. Would it make more sense for Ibushi to just retain and go through? Obviously, we don't know what's on the docket. Or is there a possibility that they would draw better and have better, like, match? Are there other match options that would draw higher provided you put the title on one of these three guys? There could be. My my idea is thinking that if you're going to do a title change, save it for the stadium or the dome. That makes sense. Um but I could see they could do Abushi on a chase. Abushi works well as a babyface on a chase. You could have him. Could you do Osprey transitional champion to drop the belt to Okada? Hmm. We're just throwing ideas out yeah. there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the next Osprey Okada match, Osprey needs to win. That's true too. Yeah. Well, maybe Osprey wins it the. First time at the first stadium and then loses it in the dome. Mm. Just throwing ideas out there. Yeah. These are not like things I'm like dead set on. Right. Um, I'm just one like because I'm wondering who's Ibushi going to draw with in these big stadiums. We talked about that last week and I was like Kenny Omega, I guess uh, Okada. Other than that, there's not very many other options I can really realistically think of. With Shingo, I can't think of any. As much as I love Shingo, I can't think of a big money drawing match with him that they haven't. I mean, they just did him in Okada. You know what I mean? Right. Which I mean, there's a story there. Um, they're now one on one. I think you could do the rubber match. Yeah, but you know how they like to do with these big shows. They like to do. Big, I mean, the one big protected match that they haven't done, but I don't think it makes sense booking wise on a month build is Naito and Osprey. Right. That's the one match in this company that they just haven't given us yet. 
yet. Other than that, I mean, you you got to bring in a John Moxley or you got to bring in a, a a Kenny Omega or something because I think they've like, or you're doing a rematch because they pretty much exhausted all these options. Right. They could do a gimmick match too. I know they don't do those often, but I mean, for a big show, I mean, who knows? Right. So I the, the only reason I bring all that up is because I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think longer term. They got these big shows on the horizon. What is what's going to happen? Who's the best champion to go into these shows? Yeah, who do you want representing the company? And I guess the downside, if you like, you said it might make sense to do a title change on these big shows. So the downside was, if you had one of these guys beat Abushi, that wouldn't be a very lengthy illustrious title run. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess that does kind of leave the door open that Abushi could and likely would retain. Yeah, because I think we're gonna see Jay versus Tana for the Never Title to really kind of elevate to elevate that as show. Like, all right, this is the new like secondary title. He, sure, he beat Tana. Uh, he did mention he he did say in the promos he's like I'll take the never title too. I I heard him say that. Yeah. yeah so, so I mean I don't know. Um, I mean I'm I guess I'm still going with Will Osprey because I mean, although like I'm kind of I'm at the point where I'm like I'm only like fifty point six percent positive it's gonna be him and I'm like forty nine point four percent. Sure, it's gonna be Shingo. I'm like on that tipping point. I'm pretty. I'm like I'm almost equal that Shingo's gonna beat him. Yeah, I had Osprey winning when I was booking Okada Osprey in the finals. Uh, but now that I think Shingo is going in the finals and just a run that he he's, just seems so hot. Right, he Okada, um, Godo, Kenta. Yeah, I I'm going with Shingo winning this thing. Well, that's. Uh, I'm going to stay with Osprey just because I'm going to be stubborn and I want my bracket to turn <laughs> out good. Because, you know, I'm not good at predicting New Japan Cup. Every year, like, I do okay with other tournaments, but this is the one tournament that I've never predicted accurately. Every year I, I get this shit wrong. So <laughs> um, I think the final that you and I both want to see just more than any, any other one is Shingo Osprey. Shingo Osprey just because they fucking tear the house down every night. Uh do you know where the final of the New Japan Cup even is? Uh, that is a good question. I do know it is Sunday, March 21st. It'll be 1 a.m. Eastern time on New Japan World. And let's see where the finals are happening in Sendai. Okay. Is it a big arena in Sendai? The, I'm not sure how you put it. Is it Zebo Arena Sendai? I'm not even, like, familiar yeah, that's not a, a building that, unless it's, that's, the building's changed names. Um, I'm not one of those guys that, like, knows all the arenas. Like, I know some other fans are really big on that sort of thing. Um, Zebio Arena Sendai. Uh, I don't even know much about this arena, to be honest with you, so. And the, the semifinals will, will be there as well on Saturday. Yeah, I'm looking online. It is. It looks like a um. Not too small. I mean, it's pretty big. It's uh. The Sendai Eighty Niners, which is like a B League 
Japanese professional basketball team plays there. Um, although I don't see any. Um, oh, the capacity is like around four thousand. I'm sure with uh, them opening up the floor, it's probably a little bit more. So th- th- I mean, that's not the biggest venue for them. I- I'm hoping that Sendai doesn't have the state of emergency still. I know Tokyo does. Mm. But uh that's interesting, huh? Yeah. Mm. Well, they're not trying to draw a big house with this, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, I think just in the we've seen them kind of get that three thousand number, so huh. that's probably what they'll be going for. Well, um that is going to do it for our New Japan Cup finals coverage for this week. Um, let's talk about some of this other stuff. Uh, we got Road to Strong Style Evolved. Yeah, so New Japan Strong, continuing on the Road to Strong Style Evolved this past Friday. We had the Regal Twins uh, defeating Adrian Quest and Barrett Brown. And then we had two New Japan Cup USA qualifying matches. We had Hikaleo defeating Jordan Clearwater. And then we had Fred Rosser defeating J.R. Kratos. Yeah, I watched the show this morning. It was fine. Um... Uh, some interesting things. The Regal Twins came out um, wearing the mask, the same um, ski masks that Brody King wore. Um, and kind of like, I don't know if they're starting to maybe tease the idea that Brody King might start his own faction. Maybe, yeah. Um, but what was funny was they came out with these muscle shirts, or no, like these skin tight shirts that, like, have you ever seen those shirts that people wear that makes it look like their whole body is tatted? Yeah. And you know how Brody King has a lot of tats. So they both both Regal twins came out with bodysuit tats. Like it looked like their whole upper and like, you know, Kevin Kelly's putting over that it's a bodysuit and you know, uh, Alex Kozlov was like, I'm not so sure. <laughs> 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 and so that was kind of funny. The big story though is Barrett Brown last week threw a hissy fit tantrum because he's never won in this company and he feels like his job's on the line. Um, just like a lot of people in America probably felt when the pandemic first hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this match, he came very close to winning. And at the last second, he kind of dropped the ball. And so that's the story they're telling is that, like, he can't get the job done. He can't close. And he feels very much so like his job's in jeopardy, his spot in the company. And he, he might not be with New Japan that much longer. So... We'll see where that goes. It looks like it's leading to some sort of heel turn for him. Um, Hickaleo defeated Jordan Clearwater, like you mentioned. Nothing much here, but uh, they're building up Hickaleo, obviously, in a big way and kind of establishing his mean streak. Uh, the only blemish he has on his record in this company is against Fred Rosser, who, remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Fred Rosser kind of cheated yeah, to beat him, so it was sort of like a fluke win. So anyways, Fred Rosser, J.R. Kratos, 14 minutes, 16 seconds. This is like one of the longer matches they've had in New Japan uh, Strong. And I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, I I like J.R. Kratos a lot. And I think Fred Rosser is kind of acclimating to the style quite a bit. So it was good. Um, Fred Rosser kind of got another shit win where like he shouldn't have beaten J.R. Kratos, but he still did. So it was surprising. Um, but then at the last second, after he won the match, Hikaleo came out, was pissed, because they're going to be up, you know, up probably up against each other in the first round of the New Japan Cup. Yeah. So, and that it plays off the long-term story of how he cheated. Ross che- or cheated beat him, so right. yeah. Right. 
And then him and him and Jared Kratos kind of took him out. So that's everything that happened there. Um, not the most eventful uh, episode, but uh, Ross or Kratos, pretty good, pretty good match. I mean, I, I'd recommend it. Then this coming up Friday, we have two more qualifying matches for New Japan Cup USA. We have Brody King taking on Bateman and our man Ren Narita taking on Mysterioso. And there will also be a special singles match with the Hatchet Jeff Cobb taking on Alex Coughlin. That should be a fun one. Uh, yeah, Cobb Coughlin sounds really great. Um, Brody King versus Bateman. I mean, all actually, all all those matches sound pretty great. Yeah, this is, sounds like it's gonna be a really solid episode here. I'm assuming. Mm, what do you think is gonna happen, Brody King and uh, Bateman? That's a tough one to call. I would go Brody King. Um, he seems to be but the. They, but they're kind of pushing Bateman. Are they? I mean, he lost in the arena. Just that one match. Yeah. Well, think of no make. Oh, bro, think about it. It's qualifying matches. Mm-hmm. Run Narita is definitely beating Mysterioso, and he already beat Bateman. It sets up an, another rematch. Between Bateman and Narita. And that was kind of like a surprise fluke win. I'm pretty sure they're going to do Bateman Narita, if you want my opinion. They could do that. I don't know. I just feel like they they have a little more stock in Brody King right now. Do they? I mean, they haven't really done much with him. I feel like he's, his win percentage has been pretty good. We'd have to ask Sam's that stat man. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I am. In, I am surprised though that Cobb and Coglin so far are not in the qualifying match, or at least Jeff Cobb isn't. Um, so who knows what's going on with that? Maybe he. Maybe it's one of those things because he was in. The, he's in Japan. He wasn't in Japan. New Japan Cup. They didn't want him in the USA. Possibly the also maybe on the next few episodes he might be in some of the. Qualifying matches, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see here. We had a question from Muzzle. He said, with who was already qualified and in qualifying matches for the up-and-coming New Japan Strong Show, are you more excited for this New Japan Cup USA compared to last year? Yeah, I think that, um, well, as far as who's already qualified, I mean, it's... Um, Filthy Tom, yeah, Filthy Leo Tom. Rush. Yeah. Is there anybody else that qualified? Uh, just um, Fred Rosser and, and Hickley yeah, from this week, yeah. I mean... Ba- and then uh, assuming Ren Rita and then either King or Bateman gets into it. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more excited for this one than last year's. Um, there were some big names in last year's. Obviously, Kenta, who was the winner. But, I mean, you look at the second side of the bracket. And, I mean, there was a lot of names that I wasn't, like, thrilled to see there. I mean, uh, uh, we sang Dave Finley's praises, but I, I wasn't, like, super jazzed to see him and Kenta in the finals. So, I feel like there's probably a smaller amount of potential in this year's lineup. Yeah, this looks like a fun tournament, especially with some of the newer guys that they've been able to bring in over the past year. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, let's uh, dive into the news here. Yeah, so big thing that we got to talk about uh, this past Saturday. At- is, it a, is it a big thing? Well, look at all the <laughs> questions we got about it, man. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Impact Sacrifice, we have new Impact World Tag Team Champions Finn Juice. They have feeling that Juice Robinson defeat the Good Brothers Luke Gallows and Machine Gun Carl Anderson to become uh, your new Impact World Tag Team Champions. We had a lot of questions about this. Let's run through these. Uh, Ready user Viking Pain says, what are the implications if there are any in Finn Juice winning the Impact Tag Team titles? Will this lead to the Good Brothers coming back to New Japan sooner rather than later? Finn Juice are working there. They're one of the top teams in um, 
you know, in the world right now based on the fact that they're, you know, they've won the New Japan, they've won the World Tag League, they've won the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles before, they're a good tag team. And um, I think this is kind of just a stopgap between them winning and then eventually probably dropping the titles right back to the Good Brothers so that the Good Brothers can have, you know, this big title match between themselves and uh, the Young Bucks eventually. So um, I think that's pretty much all the implications there are for me. Um, so I, th- I, th- I really think it's just an accolade, and it probably draws some attention. Right. I, don't th- I think that. it was done for just kind of the wow factor, kind of right. the attention. Like, oh, wow, you know, this New Japan Team won, kind of get some buzz going. Because obviously this was taped. Obviously, because Juice and Finley are in Japan and right. they're wearing their old gear before they came with this new kind of the blue and gold, you know, gesture gear that they're wearing now. So clearly, this was taped quite some time back. I, I do think um, the Good Brothers are coming to Japan at some point, no matter what. And we thought I, I kind of believed this before any of this door stuff was going on because they talked about it so extensively on their podcast, right? And so I, I, I have a feeling that the title change is probably already taped as well. I have a feeling, like, on Impact, we'll see, like, a tag title rematch, and then Good Brothers will get the belts, like, right back. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Wiz Factor. He says, in light of Finjus winning the Impact title titles from the Good Brothers, can you provide some insight as to why a company like Impact would hand their titles over to two different promotions, assuming Kenny Omega takes the Impact world title a month from now? I'm aware that the wrestling business thrives on exposure, but the recent booking decisions make the Forbidden Door look incredibly one-sided in New Japan's and AEW's favor, and the Impact roster looks weak as a result. What exactly is a pro-Impact business case here? I mean, I I can't really speak on the Kenny Omega world title story, and I'm not going to speculate on that one because it's not really... This isn't the show for that, Uh, at least for me. You can talk about it if you want to, uh, Jeremy, but I don't know what they're doing with that. As far as this, though, I mean, I don't know. I don't see it any different from all the times that New Japan put their titles on the Dudley Boys, Steiner Brothers, the Road Warriors, XYZ foreign talent team from WCW or whatever company, TNA. And then what always happened? Those those same teams would drop the belt to whoever you were either trying to build or the team that they beat for the belts in the first place so that they could get the win back, and they would either pop a house, pop a rating, draw new fans and eyes to them. So like you mentioned, is it, it's about exposure. Um, I think it's too soon to say that it's incredibly one-sided when the story hasn't even played out. Now, granted, we've seen times where there have been invasions, UWFI against New Japan, where one company gets fucking buried, and oftentimes it is the smaller company. So maybe that is going to happen here. But this really isn't an invasion. It's just kind of like I said. It's just a, a tag team angle. I really just think it's a, it's an accolade. It's a nice little, you know, stopgap trinket where, you know, these guys won the belts. That's cool. And then the next time they do a little pay-per-view, they'll probably drop them. And people will hypothetically want to see that match. And it's good for both companies because it raises the stock of Finjuice. And it also raises the stock of Impact as a company for having elevated them, having having had them on their platform 
and then you know drawn eyes to the Good Brothers or Motor uh, Motor City Machine Guns or Reno Scum or whoever the fuck it is that beats them, you know? Right. Yeah, the name of the game is definitely Exposure um, with Impact working with AEW and New Japan. On the New Japan side, we're, we're seeing the, the Impact matches that feature Finjuice being featured on New Japan World. It's a whole new set of eyes right there. Um, with AEW, their Impact guys have been on you know TNT every week since Kenny Omega's been on Impact. Their their ratings have been higher. They did a great buy rate for the pay-per-view that Kenny was on. Now they're building to this uh, champion versus champion uh, Kenny versus Rich Juan match, uh, winner takes all, which I'm assuming is going to do another good buy rate for them. So yes, you know they are their titles are kind of going on non Impact guys, but at the same time, more people are watching Impact than have in a very long time. So they're they're getting more eyes on the product, and the key is kind of what you were saying is having the guys ready to be built up. To eventually beat Finn Juice, whether it's the Good Brothers getting titles right back or like it's more to the machine guns. And then with with Kenny, it's like you you build up your impact guy who's going to be the kind of like the, the savior, the face that could eventually beat Kenny and get the belt back. There's also the wow factor. Anything can happen in the world wrestling entertainment. Right, you know, right. they used to do those title changes at house shows because you never know. Um, and that's what it was here. A lot of people didn't think that this was going to happen. And now it's like, well, you never know what's going to happen on an impact special or pay-per-view or television show. So, you know, who's to say that the next time you tune, you tune in, who's going to show up, who's going to leave, who's going to win a title, who's going to, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe the next time they wrestle, they drop the belts to the, to the machine guns, but then suddenly, Oh my God! What are the young bucks doing in the impact zone? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you never know. Also, I mean, for New Japan fans, you got Jay White name dropping the fact that Juice and Finley won the Impact titles. He he put that in his post match promo. Every post match comment, you've got uh, Juice just plugging Impact. It was hilarious. The last one he did, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah. Go to Google, type in Impact Plus, type in your little credit card. He's like, oh, wait, I need to be in Nashville. I have a plane to catch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's what they're doing is it's cross-promotion for both companies. And, I mean, it it is a two-way street. It's not like Impact is only pushing New Japan and New Japan is ignoring this shit like it never happened. Right. They've got a few, and it's not over-pushed on either side. It's just, it's synergy. You know, each group is kind of acknowledging one another. They're working together. It's cool, you know. Uh, next question from EMJ does PR. It says, Finjis are the Impact Tag Champs. We'll be setting up a rematch versus Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Gallows at one of these big shows. Two questions. If they get a dome match, is this going to help rehab Finjis in Japan? And are the Impact Tag Team Champions getting a higher billing than the IWGP Tag Team Championships? And if so, WTF. Who are the uh, who are the IWGP Tag Team Champions? Uh, God. Oh yeah, but I think he's I think he's specifically asking about the, the championships and stuff like the holding those titles. Is that is that higher than the IWGP? No, he's asking because we got those two dome shows coming up, the two mm-hmm. stadium shows. Mm-hmm. Are we going Are we going to be getting a match with the IWGP titles on one of those shows, like with? you know, with uh, Guns and Gallows. Mm. And then he asked, 
are they going to get a higher billing on those shows than the IWGB tag team titles? And if gotcha. so, what the fuck? Um, yeah, it was written a little bit weird. Um, MJ does PR step it up, uh, with addiction, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't think we're going to be getting guns and gallows over here because they seem to be working AEW a lot. Yeah, a lot. And they seem to be pretty integral to what they're doing, but who knows? I mean, they don't even work for that company. So uh, I guess they could take a month off and come to Japan, but I don't see that happen. Well, no, with state of emergency, it's going to be really hard. Probably not. Yeah. If you want my guess, probably not. I, I doubt it. I doubt we see the Impact Tag Team titles in New Japan at all. Because like you mentioned, they probably already taped. <laughs> like a title change, yeah. They already taped the title change. These guys these guys probably held those belts once when they won them on tape and then once when they dropped them, and then that's that's about that, you know? Yeah. Do you think Finjuice needs rehabbing in Japan? Rehabbing? Yeah. Um... I, I think they're doing a good job rehabbing Dave Finley, and I think Juice is, like we mentioned, he's uh, made some positive strides recently. I would like to see more in, in, as far as that goes, but as far as the, the team goes, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've never been, I've never really seen the team as anything special personally. Yeah, I mean, they're not this kind of blow-away tag team, but. Uh, they always, during World Tag League, go out there and have some of the best matches of any team. Uh like bar none, but as far as and like, I guess they're a cool unit, you know. But I mean, I'm not like oh the legendary team Fin Juice, right? <laughs> you know, when I think of the great Gaijin Perezu tag teams, I mean Steiners, LOD, Fin Juice, <laughs> Big Bad and Dangerous Fin Juice. <laughs> no. Uh, next question here from Dom Homie 101. What does Finn Juice winning the Impact Tag Team Championships mean for the relationship of Impact and New Japan? Does it mean that we may see more of a relationship between both companies? Could we see Impact guys on stadium and dome shows in May? May I mean, who knows? I already said no to that, but maybe because I don't run the company. I don't know what the fuck's going on. And, you know, maybe they will. Uh, maybe that's maybe that will be the big return of Guns and Gallows. But, right. you know, I don't see that as being a draw. I don't come think. on. Come on, do you see, like, do you think it's limited capacity? And in a limited capacity crowd, do you see, like, I don't know, an extra 150, 200 people, like, even be, being like, oh, shit. <laughs> Luke Gallows <laughs> is coming back <laughs> to challenge for the Impact World Tag. Dude, no one in Japan fucking watch. No one in America hardly watches <laughs> Impact. <laughs> So nobody in Japan fucking knows what, who they're marketing to when they do this. They're marketing to the U.S. fans who watch New Japan. Right. They are not marketing to the Japanese audience, the people that actually live in Tokyo. They don't give a fuck about what's an impact. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess there's a history of Guns and Gallows, but like, I never even thought of them as being, like, they were part of the Bull Club, and that was cool. But, I mean, it's tag team division. The tag team division doesn't mean shit in New Japan. I mean, they're not going to draw, you know? Right. I mean, they could bring some, we, we could see some other Impact guys peppered in somewhere. That's all it would be, though. It would just be peppering. Yeah. And uh, last question on this topic. Oh, as, as far as for the relationship, I mean, I guess this 
helps like, I don't really think this is about a relationship. What I think it is about is the same way how, I mean, I guess you could ask the same question to like, let's say if we were talking to an AEW podcast, how does the way they're using guns and gallows impact that relationship? Uh, I guess it affects it positively. Yeah. But is that really what the point is? No. It's really about how those talents are being used in that company. And I think that's what this is. How are Finjuice being used in impact? And I think that's the whole long and short of it. I think a lot of times the New Japan fans were all um, so fixated on the, 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 the strings of connections between all these companies, you know, have you ever seen that picture of Charlie day from where he's like, yeah, dude. yeah. <laughs> where he's like freaking out. Like, and I feel like that's what new Japan fans are. They're like, like this group's with this group, this group's, but they got ties over here, you know? And I'm like, no, it's bro. It's, it's probably a one, one transaction. Just like Kenta John Moxley was a one, one transaction. The transaction here is they're using those guys. Those guys are going to do a job later. And then they're going to come home. That's about it. Right. Uh, next question here from Ricky says, do you think we will see Finjuice defending the Impact titles in New Japan? I, I hope they do, and I hope they drop them. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking funny would it be if, like, what would be, like, the worst-case scenario for Impact? Like, what's the who would be the worst team in New Japan that could win those Impact titles that you'd be like, fuck? Uh, Ujiro and Tenkoji. <laughs> That'd be raw. <laughs> <laughs> Tenkoji wins that shit. <laughs> Tenkoji versus Machine Gun. Sign me up for that. Oh, you want us to go to Nashville? <laughs> nah, fuck that. We're not going. We'll mail you the belts back. Oh man. Uh, so. And other Man, so many questions about bro. I didn't give a fuck about this. I mean, I guess the way I answer the questions, I don't know. I hate to be that buzzkill. A lot of questions. People are people are excited about this, man. Hey, that's the point of something like this. It's to get people excited. And guess what? Evidently, it, it worked. worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, for uh, some people, not for me. <laughs> I'm gonna watch the match though. I haven't watched it yet. I I will watch it. Well, we'll see how those uh, Impact Plus and uh, Access numbers do in the coming weeks. Uh, but speaking of TV, uh, the Roku channel, as you know, every Thursday night has uh, been airing new footage of NJPW archives. Uh, first time airing on international TV for several matches here. This coming up week, they are airing Hiromu Takahashi versus Ryo Lee and Rapungi 3K versus Suzuki Goon from New Beginning in Osaka from last year. Uh, if you're digging the Roku channel, I mean, why not rewatch Romu and Ryuli? So check that out. Uh, free match of the week is Sonata versus Okada from the New Japan Cup 2019 finals. Minoru Suzuki is doing a online meet and greet on March 23rd as a part of the Tokon Shop Global. And we had a question here from Viking Payne. Minoru Suzuki is having an online meet and greet on March 23rd at Tokon Shop. Are you guys planning to attend? What questions would you like to ask him? And will you... Use some of these Biden bucks on autograph Suzuki Goon merch. What? Who asked that? Viking Pain. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I'm not gonna listen. I I don't go to. I don't. I don't mean to be a big leaguer. I don't go to meet and greets ever. Um, 
the only there is one person I'd go to a meet and greet for. Could you guess who I'd go for a meet? To Tanahashi. A meet? It's pretty much just Tanahashi. Like I, I wouldn't go to a meet and greet for like anybody else though. Well, like I couldn't think of anybody. I met Suzuki in person. Right, in, we've met Suzuki in New Orleans, 2018. I got a picture with him and the now defunct Intercontinental Title. Did we not interview Suzuki in Dallas? Was he not in that G1? No, he wasn't. Okay. Was he that there though? No. Okay. I don't think he was. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. He, if he was, he definitely wasn't in the media room. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't really understand. I, I don't. I think Jeremy, you're more tech savvy than me, so I'm not sure how uh, how they would even do like an online meet and greet. I guess it would just basically be like a personalized zoom. I believe he's doing um YouTube, like a live YouTube and he's going to he'll be taking like uh questions. So it's not even like he sees you and you get to personally speak or interact with him or anything. Well, let me uh cuz I feel like if you want to do the whole meet and greet experience, they should see the fans who are talking to him and ask, "Hey, I I'm not trying to bury this. I think this is great for the fans. I think it's really cool." Um, I love Minoru Suzuki, but like, I just, um, I, I, I wouldn't pay. Do you have to pay money for this? Um, let's see. I guess that's some of the stuff I'm like, I guess that's what, I don't even know if, if it was free, I might watch it. I think it, it's free, uh, but there, there will be merch you can buy. So it's a live YouTube. He's going live on YouTube. He'll be answering your questions and autographing exclusive Suzuki Goon goods. That's one thing. I would never pay to for any exclusive goods for any reason. I, I've got important things I'm trying to do in my life. I mean, you guys heard about the lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can, you can ask them questions and then get a chance to grab the exclusive sign merchandise. Um, there will be an autographed 2021 Suzuki shirt, autographed Minoru Suzuki original bath towel, autographed Suzuki flag style bath towel. Bro, in, in in the finance world, those are what we call commodities, and they're just not gonna appreciate at the kind of rate that I'm hoping for long term to to make my nut back. Like I just I don't know. That seems like a bad investment to me. <laughs> yeah, it says you can purchase goods during the live event. Uh, these goods will be limited in quantity and will be discounted when sold out. There are people that really like merch, though. And if you really like merch or you really like Suzuki Goon or you love Minoru Suzuki, I mean, we've I've met Suzuki like two or three times now in real. I I have met him. I met him once in New Orleans. I met him in New York, twice in New York. So I mean, like I've met Suzuki in real life. Yeah. So. I probably will not be uh, tuning in for the meet and greet, but I mean, if you're a big Suzuki Goon, Mark, this is your chance to get some exclusive merch. So. Right, I'm going to read something on the, uh, I, I just saw this on my phone. It's just fucking funny. So someone posted, um, T3 delicious posted. This is unrelated to anything we're doing. This okay. is just in the, um, what's it called? In Reddit, they said, with the fourth incarnation of the IWGP heavyweight championship, what if new Japan keeps the video introduction and adds all the champions of previous incarnations. And while we're at it, include all the IC championships as well. That would mean including Hogan, Suzuki, Jericho, Goto, Engel, La Sombra. And then someone else, th- this guy goes, Autobot RT goes, nope, just photos of Ibushi. Baby photos, <laughs> kid <laughs> photos, teen photos, adult <laughs> photos, 
old photos, just Abushi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That fucking popped me. Oh, I hope that's what they do. I hope the whole like roll call of champions, champions roll call, or whatever is just 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 Abushi. Just like Abushi with. Like, I think I made this joke before, but like it's just him with like fucking Roman candles on, like just. Right, that's what I was saying. Like clips of like all of DT and like him and Kenny making out. Ah, Freaking uh, the that movie that we have over there, the kaiju. Yeah, the uh, kaiju movie. Yeah, yeah, him just like giving a German suplex to a giant like fucking dinosaur. Yeah, shit like that. (laughs) Oh man! All right, we have a few um, random questions here that we'll cap off with, and then get to recommend a match of the week. Uh, Viking Pain He asks It feels to me That Shinsuke Nakamura Isn't looked at The same stature As Hiroshi Tanahashi At least not anymore Tanahashi to a lot Of wrestling fans Is a bonafide legend While Nakamura isn't Is it all because Of his WWE run And what matches Besides his legendary Bouts of Ibushi And AJ Would you recommend To remind the world How good he is Mine would be Okada Nakamura G125 Oh wow Um, I don't know I, I guess I'm getting tired I had trouble following you So Nakamura is not seen in the same light as Tanahashi anymore. That's what he's saying. People, he thinks that people are not seeing Nakamura on the same level as Tanahashi. Um, that might have always been the case. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, I mean they're 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 each other's great generational rivals. Um, and I mean they're both of their careers were defined fighting one another, and I mean. You know, they're they're the John Cena and Randy Orton of their New Japan generation. Right. Um and I, I mean, I think the thing is with Nakamura he left and he did some other bullshit and that's more recent in the minds of people, so that's the way that people see him, you know? Um Right. I think the WWE run is definitely has a bad taste in people's mouth and it's, it's what, when you think of Nakamura, that's what unfortunately that's what you think about right now. It's like but I think this is generalized. I mean, I mean, how do we? I don't know that everybody feels this way or doesn't see him on the same like uh, level as Tanahashi or anything like that. I mean, it definitely doesn't invalidate his um, legacy. Although I, I, I understand that's not the argument he's making. What he's making is how do people view him modern day? You know, so. But, I mean, yeah, as far as, like, legendary bouts of his, I mean, we've done deep dives on... We did a Nakamura episode um, yeah. last year during the uh, off-season of New Japan. I mean, bro, his work with Goto, his work with Shibata, his work with Tanahashi. The little Sombra matches. Sombra matches, his matches with Okada. Um, I mean, you said not his match with Ibushi, the legendary one, but he had other matches with Ibushi that were incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean his. I mean the Fale match that we watched. Yeah, the fucking fall. bro. The the matches with um, Makabe are really good. The Suzuki matches. I mean, everything everything he did was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's hard to find a bad Nakamura match in New Japan. Uh, his matches with um, Yoshihiro Takayama. His match with Engel. All that shit's gold. Yeah. Uh, next question here from King DW510. Do you guys think New Japan should ever switch up the G1 format a bit? Maybe instead of two blocks of 10, have four blocks of five, and the mm. four block winners go into a single elimination tournament to maybe make it less predictable? 
maybe even test something like this out on strong. And I know, young boy, you you uh. perked up because this has been a theory. <laughs> Bro, I've been saying this for so many years. Yeah. This is uh, uh, King DW five ten. I don't know if you've been listening to the show for, or how long you've been listening to the show, but like this is something every year at the G one. I've said I, I actually kind of gave up on it last year because it didn't make sense in the pandemic. But pre pandemic. Every year I was like, why the fuck are we still doing two blocks? Why why are we not doing but he, he said two blocks of five? He said uh instead of four two blocks of instead five. of two blocks of ten, have four blocks of five. No, nah, fuck that. We need to go with my idea, which is superior to yours, King DW five ten. Four blocks of six, bitch. <laughs> Let's get twenty four people up in this bitch. Yeah, I've always wanted to do four blocks of six so that you can get those extra four bodies in. Mm. But then you get more shows, so you increase revenue, you get more varied matches, you get to protect matches, which is something that, um, it's a give and take, because I mean, the great thing about G1 right now is like, you're getting most of the big single matches that you could possibly get all happening at the same time, but like after a few years, you run out of combinations. Right. You do this, and not only do you get to protect matches, but also like you get to prolong the time between matches. So, you know, um, I think, and then also if you do two, four blocks, um, there's the possibility that the guys have to work less hard because I mean, there'll be more time off from their, their previous matches. It depends on how you'd schedule it. Right. Theoretically, that's the possibility. Yeah. I mean, I'll be down for that. I think it'd be a cool way to include some more people like you mentioned and, you know, change some things up a little bit. You could also just do, like, um, three matches and three matches. So maybe... You do A and B one Maybe night. A and B are running all the... But then again, then you're kind of just doing the same shit. Right. It's very similar to... But yeah, maybe A and B are running and then the, and then the next night... C and D are running. Right. And then and then you just alternate. And then there's no undercard. You're just getting tournament six matches. tournament matches, singles matches, bop, 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 bop. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be raw. But no one listens to me. <laughs> King DW510, you're a wise man. <laughs> uh, last set of questions here from Dom Honey 101. Uh, first, non-New Japan question. He said, thoughts on WWE trying to run... WrestleMania at 75% capacity in Tampa. Also, thoughts on Apollo Crews' new gimmick? I haven't really seen Apollo Crews' new gimmick, but I love it. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I heard, like, what? He's basically doing, like, a militarized Samba Simba. Pretty much, yeah. He's, like, you know. Fuck yeah. Nationalist Nigerian. Us. <laughs> <laughs> he, ha- he has the accent now. He has a spear. Um I'm down with it. I mean, I don't know. I, I've heard it's problematic, and I've heard other people that did did or didn't like it. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, I just, I just don't really care about WWE. I like Apollo Cruz. I think he's a great wrestler, and I would love for him to be in an environment where he can thrive. But at this point, like, he's been there so long, and, like, I don't I just really don't care. Listen, man, I mean, yeah, we're pretty, like, detached from WWE, but, like, the one thing that's always kind of kept me connected is that fucking network. And now that that shit's like, dude, I can't fucking log in and watch a Boston garden show from 85 in classics. If I can't do that, I have no reason to watch this product. 
<laughs> like none. Like if I can't go in there and watch Jake Roberts and Ricky Steamboat from 86, or if I can't go in there and watch Bulldog and Bret Hart 92, why then what's the point? You know, what is the point? Well, hopefully the, uh, the execs at Peacock keep their word. And by August, the full archive will be back up. Man, fuck that. Um, as far as 75% capacity, <laughs> um, dude, there's not going to be a travel. There, there's not going to be a, a, a travel group, like hardly at all. Hardly at all. They were supposed to put tickets on sale today. And guess what? Those tickets don't go. They didn't go on sale. Right. They pulled. They postponed it. And um, the word on the street, our inside sources say, because there, there's no interest and they're worried about it and they're trying to figure out, they're trying to buy themselves some time to garner up some, uh, some interest. Here's the thing. They've run so many years where all they had to do, well, I mean, okay, for instance, WrestleMania, what was it, 32? Is that the one that ran in? Texas. Texas? Yeah. Okay, would anyone like be like, Triple H and Roman Reigns drew 100,000, or whatever the kayfabe number, 100,000 people? No. WrestleMania did, because it's a brand, and it just fucking sells out, because it's just WrestleMania. But it's a traveling crowd. You think there was 100,000 people in uh, Texas, just in Dallas waiting. that yeah. were just like, you know, they got to see Triple H and Stephanie make that grand entrance? Like, no, they don't give a fuck. You think there's 45,000 people in Tampa, Florida or in Jacksonville or Orlando that want to see this shit? Like, no, bro. Like, it's not the Super Bowl. This shit's not happening. Um even if they got the approval to do this, which I don't think they're going to, or even if they, they might, who knows? I don't know, man. I don't, I think they're going to do bad numbers. I think they're fucked. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I know this, this this isn't just like anti WWE rhetoric. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the tea leaves. Like, I don't think they're going to do so hot. I know know this week they're starting to try and pump matches out. They announced, uh, drew and Lashley for WWE title. And well, that's because they need a card, right? Because, Because the event itself, the the brand and the name WrestleMania can't draw alone like it normally does. Right. And um I, I think it's I think it's poetic because right now ninety nine percent of what they do doesn't matter. They're just a content creator. The ratings don't matter. <laughs> like nothing really right. Matters. Like they, they got these contracts in place. They're gonna make their money regardless. But the one thing that's going to be an embarrassment is if they try to run Raymond James Stadium. Two nights. And they got like 8,000 people in there. Yeah. If that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we'll also, see. Also, all these indies are going to fucking take a... A big hit, yeah. Yeah. All, there's so many indies running WrestleMania weekend. They think they're going to make their nuts. It's not happening. <laughs> all right. And then he has uh, three different fight questions here for you. So first, with the passing of boxing great Marvelous Marvin Hagler... What are the young boys' thoughts on the boxing career of that man that they called Marvelous? What was his legacy, and where does his, where does he rank among all, the all-time greats? Yeah, man, uh, Marvin Hagler, one of my all-time favorite fighters. I love Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Um, I, I'm not sure whether he beat Shagray Leonard. Uh, it's tough to say, um, but I, I, I really enjoy him. I mean, obviously everyone is, you know, probably remembers him most for the war, the match with him and Thomas Hearns. I think it went three rounds. Um, probably the most barbaric fight ever in the history of combat sports, period. Um, but, you know, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, man, I mean, 
I would have to say he's probably the greatest middleweight fighter of modern times. Um, I guess the other name you could throw out there is Bernard Hopkins, but I mean, for my money, I take Marvin, I take Marvin Hagler over him. Um, there's other names out there. You know, you got your Bob Fitzsimmons, your Harry Grebs, and your Carlos Monzons, but I'm not as familiar with all of them. I've seen Carlos Monzon, but I, I mean, I, I didn't get to watch those guys. You know, I didn't get to watch Harry Greb in the 1800s, <laughs> you know, have 300 fights and be the greatest middleweight of all time. So for me, it's Marvin Hagler. Um, I, I think he's one of the absolute greatest. I mean, he's a top 20, top 30 pound for pound fighter ever. And he dominated his division for 10 years straight. And I mean, when you look at the, the illustrious list of great middleweights, I mean, there's not very many names you could put ahead of him from a legacy standpoint. And there's not a lot of guys that would beat him in his prime head to head. So yeah, Marvin Hagler's that fucking dude. So um, I was sad to hear he died. Um, I was glad that he got out of the game when he did. He went over to fucking Italy, made movies, lived lived a rich life. So that was awesome. He also asked for your thoughts on UFC 259 and what is next for the fighters that took part in that event. Oh, one last thing. Marvin Hagler against um, John Matumbo. I always forget the name. Um, I'm pretty sure it's John the Animal Matumbo. Let me look. What was the next question? <laughs> uh, thoughts on UFC 259 and what is next for the fighters that took part in that event? Oh, um, UFC 259. That was the most recent uh, fight with Adesanya and all them. Right. I was out and about um, that evening. Normal Under any other nor- normal circumstances, that would be like a, a must-see, can't-miss show for me. I actually didn't watch it. It was my girlfriend's birthday. So, um, I was unable to watch the fights. Um, I'm going to catch up on them here shortly. I mean, the new Japan cup's been going on, but, um, yeah, man, I mean, Adesanya lost. I don't know what's next for him. It looks like they're trying to set up a fight with him and Darren Till. Maybe they're going to do him and Robert Whitaker. Um, one thing we didn't mention, um, Peter Yan fucking blasted. Oh, did a, a Kamagoye. He did a fucking Kamagoye illegally and lost his belt. <laughs> um, and then as far as Amanda Nunez goes, I mean, she's the, she's the GOAT when it comes to women's fighting. Um, I still think that there's quite a few girls that could school her standing, but they there's no one who has a complete enough game to beat her. Um, I don't know. I guess they could do her and Shevchenko again but uh shevchenko hasn't been able to beat her the first two times so i don't know yeah uh and this last question is with it being the 50th anniversary of the first ali versus frazier fight or the young boy's thoughts on the fight and the legacy of the fight thoughts on the ali versus frazier trilogy uh yeah i mean probably the greatest heavyweight trilogy in the history of boxing um i mean uh, even if you had like an argument, um, oh, not Mugumbo, John Mugabe. Yes, John Mugabe, who his nickname was, I think it was the animal. I forget. Uh, anyways, John Mugabe against Marvin Hagler is one of my favorite fights of all time from 1986. Um, Mugabe was like a fucking killer and he was undefeated. Um, when they fought 
And yeah, uh, a lot of people pretty much had like counted out um, Marvin Hagler entirely. And Marvin Hagler went in there and like went to fucking war with him. This was Marvin Hagler's last fight before he fought and lost to Leonard and then retired um, from Las Vegas. So if you've never caught this fight, uh, you need to see Marvin Hagler against John Mugabe. It's just, it's one of the most brutal fights of all time. Uh, anyways, 50th, 50th anniversary, Ali Frazier. Uh, I mean, it's, it's literally what changed boxing. It brought boxing from like the, you know, Pat Patterson's and, or I'm sorry, Floyd Patterson's and Sonny Liston's era. And it kind of brought it into the modern, um, fight game. That's when we kind of saw the golden era of heavyweight boxing. Um, Ali Frazier, it's the most storied rivalry. Uh, all three of their fights are great. The first, the first one, you know, was the richest prize in boxing up to that point. No, no two fighters had ever won, uh, earned as much as them. And there'd never been as many people that ever viewed a fight in the world up to that point. And I mean, it's kind of hard to track those records pre pay-per-view, you know? Um, and you know, it meant the most because it was the first time that two undefeated world champions at heavyweight fought one another and nobody kind of knew what was going to happen. And it's, you know, the thing that, that like sort of made both guys careers and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of like, um, state just how important that fight was. But then, you know, obviously the, the the other big fight everyone talks about is the thrill Manila and the thrill Manila is the greatest fight in boxing period. Um, period. I mean, both guys almost died in Zaire that night. Um, or is that, is that yours in Africa? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Where were they in Manila? They were in the Philippines. I don't know. I I'm bad with geography, but, um, Ollie Frazier. I mean that, yeah, that fight is fucking insane. Plus like a lot of people want to know Frazier was like blind at that point in his career when he fought Ollie <laughs> in that third fight. And so he was like fighting with contacts in, um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 the two it's two of the all time greatest heavyweights that made one another just killing each other and yeah it's it's the greatest and if you've never seen any of their fights I mean you need to see them Ali the perfect slickster <laughs> dancer and then you got this dirty boxer this this guy who's willing to take six punches just to, to rattle like two or three of his own. Um, you know, it, it's, it's essentially, it's Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii. If you've never seen <laughs> it. literally like it's, it's fucking incredible. So if you've never seen any of the Ali Frazier fights, I would recommend the, the entire trilogy. And um, yeah, th- those, those fights were cultural fights. They were cultural events that changed the world. So, I mean, like, major sporting events that, like, still live. We're talking about it 50 years later, so. Yeah. So, real quick before we head out of here, the recommended match of the week. So, last week I recommended uh, Goto versus Tanahashi from New Japan Cup 2012, uh, the finals. Uh, real quick, Josh, what were your thoughts on that matchup? Uh, really enjoyed this match. Um, I... I was looking back at the records, and I think last week I talked about one of their matches that I loved, and it was actually the Dominion match from 2011. Um, that's the best match Goto and Tanahashi have ever had, but it makes sense because Tanahashi retained the IWGP title at Dominion the previous year, and already at this point, him and Goto had had a storied rivalry, 
And going into this match, Tanahashi had dropped the title to Okada already. And so a lot of people were anticipating that Tanahashi would win the cup, come back and challenge for his title, get his title back from that punk kid Okada. Didn't work out that way. Um, they were in Corkin, and this crowd was hot, really hot for this match. And I think part of it was so many people love Tanahashi and want to see him rise to the occasion like he always does. But then another part of the crowd wanted to see this underdog Goto finally beat Tanahashi and win the big one. And um, Tanahashi threw everything at Goto. Goto outlasted every one of them. There's one exchange in the fight that I love towards the end where they are just hammering each other with uh, elbows. It's it's one of the more memorable striking exchanges, and it ends with uh, Goto hitting him with a big lariat. Some really good legwork from Tanahashi. One thing I didn't like about the match, a couple things. Um, Goto did some really great leg selling and showing heart early on in the match, and then towards the end he kind of just abandons it and forgets it all entirely. <laughs> and at the tail end of the match, Goto seems so... It's not that long of a match. It's like under 25 minutes... Goto seems so blown up. He starts botching some of his finishing sequence moves. But overall, the crowd was still so invested in seeing Goto beat Tanahashi. It still felt like a really memorable moment when he finally beat him with... I forget what his old finisher... Shouten Kai. Yeah, the Shouten Kai. Uh, he beats him with the Shouten Kai. Um, big moment. You know, Goto kind of is Mr. New Japan Cup because he's won it more times than anybody else. And... Um, yeah, he rode high, and then uh, he went on to beat Okada and become IWGP champion. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it didn't work out that way. In, in an alternate universe, yeah. Uh, I, so. I would go, I'd probably, I don't know, I'd probably go four and a quarter on this. Yeah, about, about sounds about right. Uh, so what is your recommendation for this week? So the other week, uh, someone asked us a question regarding Noah versus New Japan matches. I was thinking about the time of the year, you know, we're in March and I remembered there was a match that exists. That's really great that I didn't mention the other week when I asked that, when I answered that question, I think it was Muzza who actually asked the yeah. question. March 5th, 2010, the anniversary show. It is the IWGP junior heavyweight championship as the champion Koji Kenamoto. My man. Defends the title against Marafuji. Mm. This is a this is why we do the recommended match of the week because this match fucking bangs. It bangs hard and no one like very few people have seen it. Um it is available. It's not on New Japan World, but it's available on YouTube. If you just type in Marafuji versus Kenamoto, it will pop up. I've sent the link to you in in uh, our yeah, show notes. And I'll, I'll I'll tweet it out also. Yeah, you guys got to see this. It it's fucking crazy. Listen, listen, it's fucking <laughs> crazy. <laughs> if you like Ishii, Shibata, and Shingo and shit like that, and you like guys fucking hitting each other hard and doing wild shit, Marafuji versus Kanemoto is fucking crazy. That's well, I'm looking forward to checking out. Love Marafuji. Also love uh, Koji Kanemoto. So that should be a fun match to check out this week. And that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Next week, we'll be back to review the conclusion of the New Japan Cup. We will have a, a special guest joining us to uh, break down the semifinals and finals. Mavs Gillis is coming on the show. Yeah. 
Um, so that should be a fun episode next week. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate. Click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. The network is at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. On the, the Facebook group, we're Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com. Join our Discord server, Social Suplex Podcast Network. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, it's by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. We have the Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati. We have the 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. We have All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin and Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Evil sucks. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.